Okay, I'm number six, and this is a TNP special. This is the Heavy Metal Conspiracy Party. And with me tonight, so far, I have TMP contributor Chris Graves. We have the host of Conspiring with Mr. Cooper, Tom Cooper, and the man behind the effect himself at Ocelli.com, Chuck Ocelli. I did prepare a little monologue for us this evening, and here it goes. Tom, can you mute? <laughs> it's not part of the monologue book, folks, but... You get what I'm saying. All right. As I write this, the sound of thunder is echoing through my neighborhood. Dark clouds are above me. The thunder shook my home, and nature just asserted itself by reminding me that there are still things way beyond my grasp that can not only frighten me, but could end me in a clap. I can only imagine what it must have been like to weather storms like the one I'm sitting through right now out in the wilderness. I can see how witnessing lightning striking a tree near you if you were a tribe member and then had to relate the story to others. How would you interpret that sound when you told the story? Chances are you probably would try to emulate it as humans do. We do it to allow us to communicate with one another, to try to describe to others what we have experienced. Appealing to people's senses is essential in that task. And humans have been reproducing sounds for eons. So how would you make the thunder sound frightening? Well, what sounds can you make that sound like that? What are frightening sounds? Is it a frequency range? Is it a combination of notes, harmonics for you nerds? Or is it something else that's more visceral? Is it your conviction when you express it? So much of what frightens people can change just as easily as what people like at times. I, for one, was frightened a lot of aspects of heavy metal. Cannibal Corpse album covers and t-shirts scared the hell out of me. I also remember feeling really weird about listening to satanic metal like Gorgoroth back in college and also witnessing Behemoth tear the pages from a Bible while performing in what was a former church. I've been scared as shit of getting KO'd in a mosh pit on more than one occasion. I've had people land on me. I've also landed on other people after overcoming that fear. I've been dyed purple by guar, and I have choked on mud that started as dirt in a Meshuggah mosh pit, where I got hit so hard one of my shoes came off. The scary shit is sometimes worth the ride. And sometimes you find out how hokey the ride really is. Sometimes you find out how tough you really are. And how scary other realities can be. Heavy metal exposes people to all sorts of things. That not only would never occur in daily life, but ones that most people would do anything to avoid. Discordant tones are disturbing. Screaming usually means danger or anger. And who the hell wants to pay 50 bucks for a lawn seat to get punched by the shirtless guy yelling, Slayer! <laughs> well, sick fucks like me do, I guess. <laughs> Maybe it's why I don't mind talking about all the other crazy shit I do here on TMP. Because it helps me overcome those fears 
from my experiences and relate them to others. It's kind of what we do on this panel. That brings me to a separate point here. My best friends in life, I have all met because of metal music. <laughs> the people that get me and the people that want to hang out or go to shows with me or even want to play an occasional one with me or my lifelong friends. Finding the appreciation for all of them over the years has helped me find those similar stylistic quirks and preferences that people have. That's another monologue in itself, but here's the good part of that at least. If Chris Graves didn't have thrash in his Twitter description, I may have never reached out to him over a year ago now. The show we ended up doing was the first rock and roll conspiracy party. Now, there's not a person on this panel that can say that they haven't learned anything from our friend Chris, myself especially, all because we both like guitar chugs. Life is silly sometimes. So tonight, in honor of friendship, let's tell our stories like the tribes of old, but about metal. Let us remember the frightening sounds of our past experiences and retell them to the rest of our community. And also, pay tribute to the music and the people who made it, who helped make us. Horns up. This is the Heavy Metal Conspiracy Party. And that's the monologue for the show. Yeah! If you feel me. <laughs> All right. And we have Mecha Chi BRV. Billy Ray Valentine just joined us, folks. Good to Can be you with hear me? you, Billy Ray. Good to be with you, Billy Ray. Yeah, you're coming in hot. Be oh, okay. Sorry about that. What's going on? How's everybody doing? Sorry, I'm oh, late. No, it's okay. We were late starting because, I mean, how can you have a party that starts on time, especially a heavy metal party? <laughs> Who ever does that? that? Right. When, Chuck, you played a bunch of shows. Whenever has any metal band ever showed up on time for sound check and <laughs> things, show schedules went appropriately? <laughs> Get set yeah. changes weren't absolute fucking chaos. <laughs> <laughs> Can we do an entire set change in 10 minutes? <laughs> you know what? My, my my favorite is I had a band fire me as the singer right before a gig and then show up at the show trying to claim that I wouldn't want to show up. And that's why they couldn't do the gig until I walked into the place and said hello to the club owner while they were explaining it. <laughs> it was hilarious. And uh, they wound up having to play a show with me. And the looks on our faces are just priceless during the entire thing. Cause I was like, Hey, I'm a professional. I'm still here to do it. Even though you guys fired me today. Thanks. Uh, and, uh, yeah, fast lane in Asbury park. Lovely. Uh, <laughs> it was great. We did like a whole three songs and I walked off the stage after, and that was that. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. Chaos. Always, always, always. Well, that's the thing. It's personnel in, in, in any type of business, I'm sure. And I'm sure we've all, also found that out um by doing this <laughs> too you know it's it's that special it's what uh, our friend lisa would refer to as synergy right mm. that's just like when you find people that you can coexist with that you can share you know different frequencies with whether it be playing music or speaking to them uh it's all an art of communication that sort of just works better with certain types of people and I, I, I don't want to rope any of us into a box or anything like that about our patterns of behavior or other things. But 
we all talk about some really crazy shit on our individual shows, right? <laughs> like we all have pursuits into things that can be dark or frightening to people or off-putting and stuff in places that people don't want to go mentally, whether both on, on our quote unquote sides, if, if it's politically or if it's just about how, how dark in, inside of the a realm of human nature, like the stuff that Tom and Chris had talked to Dana about last week. You know, those those types of things, like the way that we go into them, the the fear and the unsettling nature uh, that's brought by those things. Heavy metal helps prepare you for that. It, it, it's it, it's something where you sort of armor up, you gear up a little bit psych psychically. You know, if, if Billy Ray was coming out into Madison Square Garden, masked up, ready for WrestleMania, right? What song you have in play it? Is it is it going to be the choo choo train song like from the middle school dance? No, it's going to be Rage Against the Machine or something or like Thunder that. Or Thunderkiss right? sixty five. Yeah, <laughs> when you mentioned Deftones earlier, I was like, yes, Billy Ray. Deftones are fucking amazing. Shout oh. out to Stephen Carpenter too. I would love to interview that guy. He's sharp. I I I don't know which member of Deftones, but somebody was on with Marty Leeds not too long ago. I believe that was Stephen. Yeah, yeah, Stephen Carpenter, the guitar player who is does amazing shit to like to be in a, a four piece like that and to be able to carry that kind of rhythm and everything too for that that type of style and all the changes and crazy right. shit they do in the baritone style playing as well like all those drop tunings and shit he was fucking he was 10 years ahead of like all the modern metal shit that's happening right now at least i wasn't i wasn't up on deftones like uh the first album i still don't really like the first album there's a couple of songs one or two that i dig well, adrenaline's her. rough sonically yeah. too like yeah. it's not the best production <laughs> see and i like that album <laughs> yeah, yeah. i wouldn't have signed him like i always say like maverick records whomever signed them was like a, a freaking visionary right like he was yeah. like okay because i wouldn't have signed that band i'd have heard that i wouldn't but uh, around the fur came around that's oh, a little yeah. more my taste that's a good one too and yeah. i was like okay all right but then white pony came on and i was like whoa yeah. I saw right. them on that tour with Godsmack, right. and I got oh, to see yes. Chi Chang live, their ba their original bassist, and right. yeah, absolutely. That bounce. dude had the longest dreads and was bouncing around the stage while playing to their rhythms. Like you know, it was right. just mesmerizing watching him play. Not, not God rest to, his soul. Not to knock uh, Chi Chang, right? Because he he was the dude. But yeah. after he passed, they brought in the the guy from I think it was Quicksand or something. I forget I forget where he's from. Um, oh yeah, I know. I, maybe was it Richmond that he's from? I forget, man, but he was fantastic. Like the I've yeah. seen Deftones live about twelve times, and and when when they brought him in, they just got tighter. Mm. Like it was just like a real, like I mean, just a real tight sound. Like was, the best shows have been post Chai Ching, in my opinion. Um, uh, it, it's fantastic stuff. I, I love. I mean, he left the band now. They got another bassist. So. Gotta but, love um, the tight metal bass players. Though. That makes such a world of difference between right. it sounding like mud butt to sounding like the best riff you've ever heard. Like, I mean, Graves would not be wearing any type of t-shirt with Metallica on it if it weren't for fucking Cliff Burton. Like, Cliff that's Burton. why he had to go on the thumbnail. Like, and just like, we've had the conversation in the past, you know, and, and, you know, John Henry and I, of just like, who would your, like, metal band of all time be? Like, if you could just grab people from all of the eras and smash them into, like, some sort of super group who would you pick and it was a little rough last night trying to figure out who i would put on the thumbnail but cliff I, I think it's yeah if you're gonna pick a bass player <laughs> fuck yeah it's it's hard to argue <laughs> all, all time he, era if he survived dude there wouldn't have been a black album i feel like you know 
Well, Maybe. and he's just one of those players too. Like Hendrix would just like he pushed the limit of that instrument so much. Like just the 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 frequency of it, like the reason why modern metal bass players even use distortion and other things like that and use different styles of strings, like all of that had to do with him. Like and he also approached it too, like because in in my opinion too, like metal has its like blues sort of root, and then it has its sort of classical root too. And the yeah. classical element that he added to it just sent the the melody making of Metallica into the stratosphere. Like, like it Orion, was just unbelievable. Yeah. Orion, yeah. Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. Well, and also I wish in a way that Dave Mustaine would have kept his shit together and maybe would have maintained his position in that band. Right. You know, maybe Cliff would be alive. Maybe they would have ended up as something even better than what we had gotten. See, I don't, I don't know about records. that. I don't know yeah. about that. A lot of people argue that, and 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 I I can't go with it because I listened to those demos uh, when Dave was still with him, and I got to tell you, I think it was improved. He was a great writer, but it was improved once he was gone. I I, I see the chemistry improving massively as soon as he, as soon as he was gone. Dave was destined to do his own thing anyway. Like Megan yeah. F is respectable. I was about to say, like trying to get a fucking like idea in edgewise on a motherfucker like that. Uh, he probably does end up better working his own show. Yeah, I could, I could definitely see that. That's, yeah. that's what I'm thinking, you know. <laughs> and, and the other thing here, you know, I, and, and I loved Cliff Burton, that's for sure. Um, but see, I, I overrated and underrated at the same time because there was this thing about bass players on Twitter just like a couple days ago, right? Mm -hmm. And my argument's real simple: Geezer Butler. Uh, and oh. why? Okay, Black Sabbath. Okay, yeah, 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 but. Don't forget, he also did GZR, which is a whole other sound. I mean, I don't know if you guys have heard GZR, but I mean, if you listen to the diversity and and the way he played uh, with Ozzy as uh, Ozzy solo band as well, you got a guy who does things that's that again are very quiet, uh, but he's also uh, the lyricist behind most of the Black Sabbath lyrics. He's the guy who uh, you know developed. Uh, Again, GZR and Sabbath alone, just listening to that stuff and listening to how the, the evolution of things went on right there, I, I don't see how you get another bass player that could top him. Uh, maybe not today. I don't know what shape he's in today, but even going all the way through the last Black Sabbath tour, uh, still an incredible bass player, and, and nobody's got the, the amount of time in with anything hard and heavy or blues-oriented uh, like that uh, that Geezer does, right? So... To me, it's like Cliff Burton is the damn. I wish I could have seen what would have happened. Uh, but Geezer Butler yeah. is the guy who had the longevity and and again the diversity to do a whole hell of a lot. Uh, literally, almost creating the genre, right? So oh, absolutely, no, you know, no. I, I see Randy Rhodes' guitar sticking out over there on the side too. Oh yes, oh yes. Yeah, <laughs> Although it could be Zach Wilde's guitar because Zach Zach has the Randy designs on his guitar now. You know, yes, he does. So. Anyway, so I just want to jump in on that though, since you're talking bass players. I, I still, it's very, it's almost trite to say it or whatever. It's like, yeah, so what? That's typical Black Sabbath, right, right, right. But I think people underrate Geezer. They 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 get into the heaviness of Tony and the showmanship of Ozzy, and they yeah. forget about Geezer Butler, who is very solidly creating no the section and the lyrics. They forget yeah. about Bill too. Yeah, and Bill Bill is an excellent example of, of, of a great drummer too, but you know, not a flashy guy. Um, but 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 Geezer Butler to me is really 
at the center of the universe there that created the genre you know and he did that a lot of that do well on lsd (laughs) (laughs) well yeah perhaps we should talk about you know the sort of well if when you bring up lsd like where the lsd come from why was it in the hands of these people um (laughs) what sort of influence did that have on art and culture and why metal became what it became because I've watched a lot of metal documentaries in my life. That's how I got into even watching more political documentaries because I ran out of the good music ones to watch. So I ended up switching to like other stuff. But um, you know, for me, like if you look at what Sam Dunn from Headbanger Films has, has mentioned in the past, that you know, sort of the end of the hippie era and the sort of the uh, between Charles Manson and Altamont, that you know, when things started getting darker in the in the hippie movement then that's where metal sort of picked up like and and sort of moved the uh, sort of discussion the political discussion the social discussion a little bit further into that genre too that all the hippie bullshit became pop where it was just like it was bubblegum pop now if you wanted to be a hippie and then if you were really into what what the fuck was going on you were probably listening to sabbath and other bands like that back in the day and other proto-metal bands oh yeah like the mc5 like yep. you wouldn't have a Rage Against the Machine if it weren't fucking MC5, that's for sure. Bands like that. I mean, the Detroit scene too. Like just the bands that were coming out of America and out of the Detroit scene, the fucking Iggy and the Stooges. I mean, yeah. you you can't you you can't get to where heavy metal became without that type of movement as well. The Dead but, Boys. Oh, absolutely. And the, like when Billy Ray brought up Quicksand before, like a uh, shout out to Lamb of God for covering one of those songs recently and giving those guys some props. Because they did an amazing cover of a quicksand song that made me go back and find all those old catalogs now. And that's kind of what's crazy about me being being a metalhead even these days is that I could talk to somebody like Tom and Tom can blow my fucking mind because he knows of all these other bands that I can actually look up and find now. Like we all grew up in the era, all of us, not to date ourselves, but we had to go fucking find this shit. But that was like that was what was fun about it, Six. Yeah, yeah flea market. Flea absolutely. market yeah that was the best part of it like some of my and i was telling my kids the other day because we were in in times square and uh, the virgin mega store like was in times square the the huge freaking record store and it's, it was commercial but it was awesome like you walked in there they had all the banners of the latest albums uh on uh, you know on the roof but huge banners you know and, and you can find anything you wanted in there and i would spend hours and hours in there then i'd go to the village and go to the little record stores and spend hours and hours in there trying to find stuff like imports or whatever, you know, and, and things that weren't readily available that you can, that was the best. Now that, that, I don't know the mystique that, that, that the treasure that, hunt is gone. It's over, right? Yeah. You just, you, you hear something. I just heard something on the television before I jumped onto the show and I was like, well, so what's that? And I just Googled it and found it and there it is. Boom. And, and downloaded it. And that was the end of it. You know, yeah. um, trying to no walk way. into Bleaker Bob's, you right. Remember Bleaker Bob's? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, right. you walk into Bleaker Bob's and then you find this or that or the third thing, and then you might want to go down to St. Mark's place, right? Because you go over there and that's where they got the bootlegs, they got the demos. There might be guys who got demo tapes from California that just came in a box in the mail right. over there, right? And you could pick up stuff. I mean, I had Rage Against the Machines demo before they had an album. I had Metallica's demo in uh, the demo tapes that were floating around in no the, in the to 80s. Yeah. What's yeah. that? 
No Life to Leather? Yeah, that was uh, one of the titles, but that wasn't the, the name it came under because they used to actually pre press records. And uh, you'd end up with these records, and the records used to be mislabeled. Billy Ray, you remember those mislabeled records? I that don't. had like some crazy, completely different record label on it. I, and I it don't. I don't remember the used ones. That's it. But uh, I don't remember mislabeled ones. It was used ones that were screwed up. But that's it. Yeah, and then they had the the white, uh, completely white sleeve, and then they would take a photocopied piece of paper and stick it in the front of it, <laughs> and that yeah. would be the bootleg record. Right. right? And they had a flea markets. Yeah. Yeah, and you could get those. You find them at the flea markets. But see, if you found them at the flea markets, right? If you were outside of Boston, for you up there then probably it was somebody went to Boston, picked it up and brought it away from the city. And we had New York doing that, bringing this stuff out to Jersey to like the dirt malls, like you've seen in, in Kevin Smith's world, US, uh, US one or whatever, which is up North, but Collingswood yeah. was, uh, was the place for me. Uh, and, and yeah, they, they would bring it there. And there was always like, here's the regular record store. And then here's like the dirty, dusty record store that you go into and you ask the guy, Hey, you got any live albums? And the dude would like, you know, pull out a box from out under the counter or whatever. Yeah, and then, you know what I'm talking about, Billy Ray? Cause this is the way it was in New York too. They yeah. kind of had to hide some of that stuff, especially when Yoko Ono started going around literally busting people in person uh, in the record stores. Right. That happened by the way, in New York. Uh, and what was it? Tower records had three floors, Billy, or, or was it, there were several tower tower records that I remember. Yeah, there, I think I think one of them had three floors in 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 uh in Midtown. That that tower yeah, record that was in there. Well, I, I remember uh, HMV in uh on 86th Street, and they had a coat. They had HMV. They had a coconuts. Nobody beats the Wiz, and Tower Records all all close all to the same. Yeah, right. on the same block. Right, the top to one to one to one. <laughs> strawberries too. Strawberries but, is another one, right? Strawberries? Isn't that like yeah, a? That was, yeah, that was like. I thought that was like a clothing store for women. No, that no. <laughs> That's what I thought it was. <laughs> All right, working at Strawberries. No, no, it was basically like coconuts. It was music and videos and, and stuff like All that. All right, yeah. cool. Right. <laughs> I, I, I missed those days, man. I, yeah, I, I, I remember getting um live and rare, uh by Rage Against the Machine from uh, at uh, at the Virgin Mega Store, and I paid like forty bucks for it because it was an import, right? Now you could just get it on Apple Music, no problem. Boom, right? Like, you, yeah. you know, I, I got the MC5 based on Rage Against the Machine because they cited them as a, as an influence. I, I really can't tell, right? Like when I'm listening to it, I don't hear the MC5, but you know, um, and I went and bought that at at um at uh one of the stores in the village. I don't remember which one, but I went and got it there. You know, I remember these things. Or when when uh when Yellow Lead Better came out, it's Pearl Jam, right? I was like, what? is that and it wasn't on an album right like no. you had to go find the single whatever that was or the first time i heard say hello to heaven oh couple the dog that was my I favorite sound garden i thought it was sound garden because i heard chris cornell so I was like, to be fair but to be fair that is one of the best songs that man ever composed. it's a beautiful song Oh, yeah. You know, and I'm like, what is that? And I start going through my Soundgarden records. I'm like, how come I didn't pick this up? Right. How come I didn't? See? And it's not there. So I had to roll out to fuck because I didn't know about Temple of the Dog, even though they were playing Temple of the Dog. I didn't know it was a thing. Right? But I went out and, and you found all these things. It was fun, man. It was it was fun. Yeah. Those times will never come back. See, being in the tri-state area, we had we had a very interesting kind of stew cooking because, like, say, Twisted Sister. In, in, uh, in the mid-80s, they became a national act and all that. But 
before that, they were a huge thing in the region, right? And they literally had 12-inch singles that had three songs on them that were, you know, full album-sized things in like a paper sleeve that they used to sell. Uh, you gotta burn in hell. <laughs> yeah, but see, that's when they got on MTV. Is when they that was when they were in Pee Wee's. Yes, you're gonna burn in hell. Yeah, yeah. that's from this. That's the Stay Hungry album. That's their breakout album. But they were a huge club act, and they had they were doing cover tunes and stuff, doing like three hour long shows all over New York, Staten Island. Uh, you know, in, in, in Jersey a little bit, but not so and much paid for back in the day too. Like they, they threw wild, well. wild parties. Yeah. And, and just like the, the culture, they, they were like, kind of like how ICP is like, sort of like where, where right. you compare them to like independent, where they made themselves so big that they made themselves commercial almost. Like right. They were, they were so huge. They were getting paid more to play a club in Staten Island than a national act that was rolling through because they packed every single joint and not like for one night or anything like that. They would do it for like a weekend yeah. and just blow it up. And it was just them. They didn't even need an opening band. I mean, sometimes they had opening bands, but they didn't need them because they were like a machine. And we had acts like that in New York, in, in the New York, New Jersey area that were just, they were regional things. And sometimes they blew up and went national and sometimes they didn't. Twisted Sister got in on it when they did that. We're not going to take it. And they did a video and all this, uh, you know, and you see D Snyder with the big shoulder pads and everything. Yeah, but, up to that point, yeah. Yep. but be before that, they were like a transvestite. Uh, they were like a bunch of transvestites, pretty much. They were dressed like really trashy drag queens. <laughs> and they actually tamed the makeup down when they went on MTV. It was like less drag queen. It was more like a cartoon, you know? Uh, but they were a huge thing in the area and we had a punk scene. I mean, there was all kinds of stuff. City gardens. You might remember in Jersey, Billy Ray, uh, was huge place, uh, satellite studio one. And these are clubs in Jersey, right? Yeah, you guys have uh, CBGBs. So there you go. That's I, in New York. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I played at CBGBs once I used to be in a band a long time ago. I played That's at CBGBs twice actually. And, 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 and that was the, the goal. Like let's let's play CBGBs, and we did that, <laughs> and that was it. You know, and then, um, but, and then um, it became a, then it became a very uh, expensive jewelry store. I still go sometimes, man, because I you know I, I used to like going in there and, and you know just watching bands and chilling out, man. It was it was a cool scene, man. You know, and I I never thought that these things would go away. You know, like like a CBGBs or like a Yankee Stadium or whatever, and and then absolutely nothing. Things will yeah. go, you know, and that that was one of the rude awakenings. I'm like, it's not there anymore. I'm like, how are you going to get rid of that thing? And if you go into the store, you they they still have things that that are from the CBGB's era as on display, right? Like they still have a little bit of whatever, right? Maybe yeah. the toilet or something. I don't, I don't I forget what it is that they have, <laughs> but but um once in a blue or whatever, I, I'll roll by because I happen to be in the area and I'm like, damn, the Continental's still there. You know that Chuck, right? The continental. Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't know it was. There. I didn't know that was. There. Is the limelight still around? No, nah, the limelight is 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 a boutique now of some sort. Oh Jesus! The limelight was a gigantic church that turned into this club that did everything. Yeah. Uh, everything from raves. I mean, Billy, you can back me up on this. Everything from raves to the deepest, darkest death metal shows everything. you could possibly imagine, right? Yeah. Um, and the movie, just uh, party monster. Uh, with uh, Macaulay Culkin, 
Yeah, Marilyn Manson was in it too, I think, right? Was he in that movie? I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah. Um, but but that's based out of out of what you know events that took place there at at a at a at the limelight or whatever. With uh, RuPaul was a part of that that crew. All, the, all, all I forget the 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 party boys. I forget the name of the crew or whatever. But it, it all came out of there. That 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 movie was based out of there or whatever. So for for reference for anybody. Yeah. No. There there's a lot of there's a lot of weird stuff that like uh, the metal thing would come into a lot of these places that were not initially set up that way uh that that were like meant to be dance clubs and stuff like that and it was hilarious because at certain points again during certain time periods it took over stuff like it's interesting to think about where cbgb's was even when it was operating right it was right on right in a, an area that like uh I, I guess we'd call it the bowery um i forget that there's some other names for it but it was really just a really kind of beat down place even though you couldn't afford to live there uh i, I bet you uh, you know even back then you right. couldn't i didn't know nobody who could afford to live there but um it was amazing like you you're going through like a bad neighborhood to go into cbgb's and that was like the pinnacle of, that was that's one of those places i never got to do by the way i mean i played at the bank and the lion's den and you know and those little places but you would have played you you would have played CBGBs at a time where it was still relevant. By the time I got in there, it was it was on the way down. You're you're like a, a decade, I think, uh, uh, ahead of me or whatever. You you got a decade on me, I think, more or less. So by the time I got into into CBGBs, it was already it was just legendary to be legendary. There weren't any prime bands coming up out of there. Some some bands would come and play it because they were like, well, it's CBGBs, so maybe Corn. Corn came by and played CBGBs, or maybe some of the some of the like the smaller punk acts that were national. Right. They would come and play there, but um, but I mean, there was nothing popping off as far as like a grassroots band like it would be back in the day. So I got to play because no one cared. Like back in the day, <laughs> I don't think I'd have got to play. So that's that's the deal with with you probably. Still that's probably on the short list of people that got to though, brother. That's that's the cool thing about those little experiences in life. Right. Like how many people that you know that also like you, you grew up with that play guitar that when you're having a conversation or getting to, you know, throw out certain things that you accomplished in life, you get to say, hey, I did CBGBs. Yeah, man. Like, that's, See, what's funny you know. is CBGBs to him is like the stone pony to me. Because exactly. Oh, yeah. By the time I got to, to play in there, it wasn't the big thing, you know, because that's that's Bruce Springsteen's house, you know, right. uh, and all that. And it's like, I could care less. But <laughs> it was but it was a legendary club. And so any national acts that came through, when Motorhead came through, they would play there. When any of these guys that, that weren't playing stadiums, could you know play a theater or whatever they would come and they would they would just take off uh, uh the stone pony um and i got to play during that era when it wasn't really legendary anymore uh i mean we still had matinee shows and all that craziness but i mean the area was so they they've gentrified it in recent years but i mean the area was so bad there was like this uh, uh totally like uh, continuous it was like the the, the generational joke uh, across the street from the stone pony they kept trying to build apartment buildings there and the place kept getting robbed and vandalized and everything. And you figure that's that'll slow down the construction project. But this is like over a quarter century. They kept trying to do this construction project. And eventually the framework would rust and they'd have to pull it back down. And like that's where the Stone Ponies located. Um, and they even created another club down the street called the Rock Horse just to kind of bite off of the legend of the Stone Pony at one point. 
which was hilarious. Um, and but by the time I got to do it, it was like that. Yeah, exactly. The national acts would come through and they yeah. would tick off the stone pony just because, you know, it was like, well, we're going to play in Jersey. We'll go there. You know, <laughs> it's like, right okay. <laughs> I mean, it gave me an opportunity to open for some of them when they came through, but that's dope. Except, well, and, uh, um, except you, Bob you grew up in a different era, right? Tom, like in a different area. So like your, your experiences with the clubs out West, like what, what was that scene like, man? Um, we didn't, I don't really remember. There weren't any big name clubs. They were mostly underground clubs. Um, wow. Yeah. And so Just we like would a go little place you get a flyer for or something like that, or a boy tells you about it and you go. Or like, well, my brother used to work. He was a bouncer for a lot of these places. So he would just call me up and say, Hey, so-and-so is playing tonight. Come check them out. Um, nice. Or there would be, we'd go to small bars, bars, you know, like we got to see DRI there, uh, corrosion of conformity. At, I, I just don't remember the name of the bar. Um, it's a little Irish pub, but they would have, you know, 75 people there, you know, like that's, that's great when you get to see DRI or corrosion of conformity. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, John Henry's seen oh, yeah. this was fucking wild. <laughs> um, and and then, so I'm I'm mostly in the punk. I was mostly in the punk scene back then. Um, I right you know yeah, I was. Tom, you're new with Metallica, dude. No, 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 no. I I was, but like I, I went to a you know like uh um uh, I didn't see Metallica at any small like CBGBs. I'm sure they played there before. You know what I mean? Like I didn't see them in any small venues Yeah, and, those, and that was what I m more preferred, you know, the smaller right. shows. Of course. But that was so, one of your favorite bands. We talked about this. No, That's no, no. Don't get me wrong, dude. Metallica had posters, Metallica everywhere in my room. <laughs> and right, then Napster happened, happened and you have this poster. Done. Yeah. I had, I dude, I knew I'm like you, Chris, I knew all kinds of stuff when i was a kid about metallica you know all right just make um, sure so but yeah i i mean if, if we were going out to go see somebody it would be a punk a mostly punk so i mean i i got to see slayer in tj mexico it was three oh. hours of slayer um <laughs> people <laughs> were jumping people were jumping off the 30 foot tier you know into the crowd um yeah it was chaos dude you, you could cut you could cut the tension with a knife it was so bad you know what I mean? Like I was, I was uh, slightly scared for my life that night. <laughs> um, it was just, it was, it, you know, it's in Mexico, dude. Anything goes there. <laughs> Definitely been in some shows with some tension. I don't know about that much tension, Chuck. You told oh, no, us the night this... where somebody was shooting at a at a club that you were in, right? It, it wasn't a club. It was the Count Basie Theater, in Red Bank. Damn. <laughs> And uh, yeah, they wanted to shoot us because well, I we think were, of Cal Basie, I think of you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah we, <laughs> the 1994 Metal Fest. Uh, we get we got heavy metal banned from uh, the Count Basie Theater for like oh, yeah. years and years because of the damage done. But uh, no, somebody be, they had poor security, somebody wanted to shoot us all, and uh, they they told us that right before my band went on. Um, and they had to take down the guy during my set, so it was Damn. pretty funny. Jeez, Chuck, what'd you do to these people? And for the crowd that might not know Chuck, like uh Chuck, you have a you have a, a visual disability of sorts, right? So oh, yeah. like you're going out on stage, like well, you might not be able to see the crowd in general. It's hard as fuck to see the crowd, anyways, from that vantage point, regardless. But then like you're going out there after somebody just told you that somebody might be shooting the place up. 
Well, I'll tell you a secret. I'll tell you a secret. I, I used to have a seeing. I used to have a seeing eye roadie, um, who would okay. actually uh, verbally lay out the stage for me. Because guess what? Whenever they brought up those strobe lights on stage, it would uh, blind me uh, completely. Oh fuck so, strobe lights! Yeah, yeah, they're, they're the worst things ever. Yeah, but quite often I was completely blind on stage. And uh, most people never knew that. It's just that I had the guy verbally lay it out and he would go and tape down everybody's shit and make sure that I couldn't, uh, you know, hurt myself too bad and all that. Um, but that, I mean, the, the night with the guy with the gun, I thought that was funny. Uh, if, if you uh, ever want a crazy story, I could tell you about playing at a, a, a with a band called Vicious Circle at a place called G. Willikers in uh, Pensauk in New Jersey. <laughs> And, you know, I had uh, didn't didn't know it at the time, but it was apparently like a white supremacist skinhead joint. Nice. And uh, I didn't know that. And oh. neither did the uh, neither did my black drummer know that. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we had to have a little debate about whether we should even bother to play because these guys were all with shaved heads and red suspenders. And uh, they were like seek heiling in my face and all this. <laughs> That's like um, Blues Brothers shit, Chuck. Yeah, <laughs> they have well, chicken wire for I hate the goddamn uh, Chicago Nazis. <laughs> but it's it's a true story. And and what I what did I do about it? I said, you know what? First of all, <laughs> fuck them. We're going on. And second, uh, we'll just surround Jerry if we got to, and we'll take him out of here. Uh, whatever we got to do. And then when we went on, we started playing, and they were like, you know, doing the sea Kyle in my face and getting up on the stage and. It was like lines of these guys all up in front of me and uh, and spitting at me and, and screaming stuff. And what did I do? I uh, I jumped off the stage into them and I separated them like I was fucking bowling is yeah. what I did um, <laughs> with with the mic cable wrapped around my neck because I used to strangle myself with the mic cable on stage because I said, fuck them. I'm just going to split these guys. And I did. I scattered them. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's that's oh. the, that's the short version of that story. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Opening for a band called Vicious Circle for no reason at all, for no Damn. pay in Pensalkin bullshit, New Jersey, uh, in a, at a place called G Willikers, which I think still exists. Used to have Yosemite Sam on the sign, like a crappy Yosemite Sam drawing with drawn guns, and it turned out it was a, a skin a white uh, supremacist skinhead joint. And uh, yeah, now, now a mega joint, right? Uh, I don't know, but you know, but they were screaming when we were going on stage. Hey, there's an N word in the club, man, man. Hearing this screaming, I'm like, yeah, all right. It's all the guys from Patriot Front hanging out there now <laughs> in their <laughs> fucking khakis. Fuffer and fuckatash. No, that's a different guy. Just want to say, Vicious Circle's a good band. <laughs> oh, yeah, they were great. They were great. And they, yeah. they were like totally embarrassed about the whole thing. They're like, dude, we're so sorry. I'm like, yeah, I don't care. And uh, the one guy uh, that was our roadie actually was really very tan. Also, mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't wasn't a black guy. The, my drummer at the time was a black guy, but the the guy who was also our roadie was like very tan, and they were just like about ready to surround us and everything else. And we just like did our thing, got the hell out of there. And uh, I'm really actually surprised I didn't wind up brawling with those guys, but I did split them, and they thought I was nuts because uh, they never saw that before. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I'm doing that blind, dude. I could see these guys in my face because they were literally like doing their salute like inches from my nose. And uh, and like I said, they were spitting at me. They were screaming so much and, and I was getting uh, spewed them on me. That's how loud they were screaming with their Sikh Kyle and this and that. Lane <laughs> Staley of Alice in Chains punched one of them right in the face right on uh, right on video. It was doing yeah. a similar thing overseas. Yeah. 
Well, you, you can you can see a video of me hitting a guy. Uh, I think it's still up on YouTube somewhere. <laughs> no, that hurt, man. <laughs> it's like I was saying, it takes a special type of personality to get into some of this shit. Um, and uh, speaking of special personalities, Chris, you did an amazing amount of research on this show for us. Um, and in case folks out there don't know in the audience, uh, Chris does research outside of doing a bunch of shows that are really popular and, and not only helping out TNP, but also Ocelli.com. Uh, we're very grateful for Chris uh, for being here tonight. But man, you sent me a bunch of articles. Where do you want to start in tonight's stack? Like what is what is the one conspiracy that you'd like to bring up to the panel while we have everyone's attention here tonight that you think that we should discuss? Because there is there is quite a few that you found. When well, we go into Dimebag Daryl. Oh, I would love to. I'm, in fact, um, shout out to my good friend, John Henry, who's always been one of my brothers in metal. And uh, he was the person that told me that Dimebag Daryl had passed. I remember exactly where I was. I remember what the phone call was like. I remember talking to John Henry about it and just being devastated at the just the story that he was telling me and the way that you know that John Henry can carry a story. Yeah, no, you're putting it kind of gently, dude. He was fucking murdered on stage. Yeah, man. Well, and that's that's the kind of thing that, you know, when you're in those positions, Chuck, and you know it from what you just described, you're in a vulnerable position on stage. Like yeah. there, there is something where, you, you know, you're in an isolated area. Uh, you typically aren't carrying weaponry on you <laughs> unless right. you're in some sort of like dramatic uh, black metal act. <laughs> but, um, yeah, let's let's pull up one about time back here um, now. Let's uh I got this one from Blabbermouth, Chris. I think I'm yeah. gonna pull this one up first. I think this will actually I'm gonna walk by my family, so that's why I'm off camera. So just no worries, brother. I, I can tell you that when that story first broke though, uh I thought it was one of those hoax stories. I, I thought it was like, come on, this can't be true because you know there there had been a couple of incidents, uh say in Jersey where people had been like that there was an infamous incident where uh, somebody was stabbed to death at a ripping corpse show and uh stuff like that and i was like come on man th th this can't be real that somebody actually got it done because uh i i never did imagine even though i'd been confronted directly even though i'd been assaulted on stage i i never considered that somebody would straight up murder uh a musician on stage i i really never did it was um i i, I always i always thought that there was plenty of places i could get killed and it wouldn't be on stage and i don't know why I, I thought this story was a hoax when it first dropped. And well, I went, and, and also due to the type of human being that was targeted here, like uh, from all accounts, from every person I've ever talked to, and I'm, I'm sure you he have. He was nice to me. Him. Personally, he was nice to me. He was a good I, guy. I opened for Pantera during the last part of the club tour that they did right before they started doing bigger shows. I opened for them, and this guy, the vibe off of him and everything – there is there is no goddamn reason in the world for somebody to have done this to him. I mean, Billy Ray, when RVD Rob Van Dam <laughs> came out in AW this past yeah, week man. to walk by Pantera, man, yeah, man, I got fucking chills. Yeah, man, R Rob Van Dam is one of my favorites of all time, and I was introduced to Pantera because of Rob Van Dam. Yes. Watching ECW back in the day, because I mean, I always liked music, but I wasn't exactly the biggest metalhead, right? It's, it's in particular Pantera, but I saw him, uh, of course, walk out to walk, and I was like, "Oh my God, what is that?" And I remember going to get it, and it introduced me to Pantera, right? And now it's a whole new world for me. But uh, P 
Pan, uh, Rob Van Dam and Pantera will always be linked for me, right? Because it's yeah. just, they, I mean, Six is probably, and anybody watching that that was into these things in that era is the only person that can really understand how special that was at that time. You know, like from the panel, like everybody else is going to be like, oh, well, well, you know, it's wrestling, whatever. It, it, there was a vibe. Something was going on. It was like some, it was, it was like the epitome of outlaw shit, man. Like it was just the coolest crap in the world. And Rob Van Dam was like revolutionizing wrestling, at least American wrestling. And he would come out to that song and people would lose their collective shit. Yep. Especially if you went live and saw and saw them perform live. I mean, well, the wrestling live. And then Pantera hit, you knew somebody was about to get fucked up. And it was beautiful. <laughs> it made it a stadium fight song now. Oh, my like God. it's it's yeah. it's like the heavy metal wild thing almost yes. when yes. it comes to that kind of stuff. Right, right. Yeah. Also, they're using wild thing in AEW as well, because yes, that'll never die. <laughs> the, only, the only heavier, the only heavier thing that I've ever seen in person, as far as you know, besides just walk in general, is the the line when you hear no more head trip. When you hear that, you know, during a Pantera no show. No more head trip. <laughs> that's when shit goes and i saw that at giant stadium when uh when they were doing the ozfest and man it was like people started pouring over the side of of, of the of the barricades it, i literally watched humanity pour over the side of the barricades at giant stadium and all end up on the floor area uh tons i must have been 150 people 200 people all at once just wow trying to topple over and i just went that's just metal, bro. That's what that is. Just keep and, in mind, everyone. Everyone yeah. remembers Metallica with Russia. Remember Chuck, the Russia concert when the so when the the wall fell on everything. They mm. had that famous uh, concert where helicopters were above the crowd and everything. Well, over Pantera, Russia. Didn't Pantera play that too. Well, I was going to say everyone just remembers the Metallica aspect of it, but Pantera was on it uh, shortly before that, and it's, also ripping up all the yeah. shit. You know. Yeah, yeah, watching the aerial footage of just the, the amount of people in that audience and also other people that were surrounded by soldiers, you know, in the a very tense moment like that, too. And well, just you know, getting the, to the have that form of expression. And the anniversary, it's a little lighter on the metal side, but the anniversary of the Moscow Music Peace Festival just went by, which was, I think, 89. And that's when uh, Ozzy was there and... Uh, uh, unfortunately bon jovi's the headliner but anyway uh motley crew and um, yeah, bunch of other bands went went shit. you know exactly <laughs> what a dick i i am so proud of myself for having for having hit him in the back with a with a rolling rock beer on the seaside pier <laughs> stupid bastard John Bon Jovi, I hate him. Anyways, um <laughs> he did a Star he did a Star Wars track too. Just remember that. Yeah, Merry Christmas R2D2. If you don't believe me, go look yeah, it up. Yeah. Anyways, um it's just there there was there was a lot to it. If you watch the Moscow Music Peace Festival stuff though, you see those soldiers around and all that stuff. That's that era. It's really wild. What what year was the Metallica thing, Chris? It was 91 cuz uh Black Album had just come out. Ah, uh, okay. So they did it after the Peace Festival thing, where they did the Mothers Against Drunk Driving and all that yeah. album. And okay, and I, I, because I couldn't remember it, I knew I wasn't there for it because I was busy with my own thing uh, at that point, and I was graduating high school in '91. So yeah, um, and during that, the helicopters came very close to crashing onto the crowd too. If you look at that footage, 
sometimes the guy is out of control and you could tell. So that could yeah. have been a huge bloodbath because there was a million people there, I think. It was it was wild. Yeah, because it wasn't just contained to the one stadium, right? That's right. It was like a sea of people. Yeah. Anyways, cool. Sorry, I wanted to chime in on that because it's just interesting. And, to and that's that's one thing, too, that's sort of we're talking about this now. All of us are I don't want to speak for everybody, but I'll speak for everybody that we're probably all a little bit jaded on the fact that freedom won at the fall of the Soviet Union, like from our perspective and from our research and just like what kind of country we became after that happened, even and who who became in charge afterwards and what we've done over in you know Eastern Europe and everything and what's still going on now. But like to me back then when I was watching, you know, that type of footage happening, it was like freedom conquered. Like there was something about our way of expression and like just having somebody like a Dimebag Daryl ripping a furious solo over there that was just sort of like we, we're putting our fucking flag in the ground for freedom doing this because it's freedom of thought and expression. It's not about who holds what land or anything tangible. It's, it's about something that's a little bit more un intangible than that. Something that we don't really own even as a species. It's just something sort of given to us. Yeah. The beauty of music altogether is that, is, is that even if you don't speak the same language, you know, you, you do. And, and that's, that's the, uh, the great part about it. Oh, we got Tiger. We got Chili. I didn't even know there was people down here. Billy Ray fell off. We're trying to get Billy Ray back on. He's back on. I'm we got here. more people here, folks. Sorry, I'm hearing boops in my ear, and I'm like, Dar. Yeah. yeah. What happened That's to Chuck? <laughs> oh, Chuck's uh -oh. gone. Yeah. Oh, no, Chuck now. Oh no. Well, we'll get Chuck back on hopefully here. He was just about to say something really cool too, probably. Yeah. Always fucking happens, doesn't it, Chris? <laughs> Well, what I was Chris had a habit that, when we first started doing this of getting muted well, before. I wanted to tell you, brilliant. I found out the secret to life. <laughs> That's what I'm what saying. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. No bueno. <laughs> Chuck, good evening, it. Angry Tiger and Shelly. How are you yes, two doing tonight? Yes. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the heavy metal conspiracy party. Um, Thank you. This it's fun to have you and another representative from the great AM wake up team and crew of people that you all got going on there. Cause we had a fantastic uh, show uh, yesterday with uh, Chris from uh, rain dot Randcast, who's been uh, co-hosting with Steve at AM wake up the past, I don't know how many couple weeks or something. And um, you know, it's frozen. A, frozen I think like, Tiger, no, no, so, sorry. Sean, I just want to make sure now? we don't, I want to make sure we don't lose Tiger. Tiger, you're here. I am. We lost. Oh, okay. He's stuck in the. Sorry, Shelly, you go on. Sorry. <laughs> he, he was like, "Oh, I'm frozen." I'm like, "No, you're not. No, you're not." Okay. He's, yeah, he's gone. Dang. I I think it's been like three weeks now, maybe maybe yeah, a little yeah. bit more. It's it's been a while. I time has flown by. It it definitely feels like it's a shorter period. <laughs> you know what? Things have been sort of like that recently. I think things have been overwhelming. I think of sorts recently. Like yeah. even trying to pick topics for our respective shows, I'm sure you're like, what the fuck? There's like 30 things that happened this past week. How the hell do you even fit oh that God. into an hour or two show? <laughs> you don't you don't even know. I, I took my first day, like official days off since I started the show last year. And like I don't apparently shit hit the fan while I was taking time off. 
Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. As soon as you step away from it, basically. But um, Shelly, since we have you here, uh, just to divert back to uh, our original topic tonight, what type of I saw in the chat? You love yourself some Deftones. That's nice to see. Oh yeah. What what sort of metal music do you get down to in life? Um. Well, I was just listening to Volbeat tonight. Excellent, excellent. I, re- uh, I really like the the um like the Scandinavian Northern European bands. Oh yes, are you a fan yeah. of the band Him? Oh, <laughs> I don't know if you can see it. Oh geez, you got the heartogram, don't you? <laughs> yes, I do. I don't know. If That's you can see awesome. It. Yeah, I think we get a little bit of on camera. Yeah. Yeah. I got wow. a pair of eyes around it. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Yeah, somebody uh, I put the the photo of it um when I first got it online and like people were stealing the design. <laughs> well, the thing about him that I remember probably the most fondly is that they did an amazing cover of Chris Isaac's Wicked Games. Yeah, um, that that was a great cover. When you want to talk about like hard rock heavy metal covers of of like pop songs and stuff, like that was that's a really impressive one. Yeah. Very um cool. I uh one of my friends that I I, I had met her at uh, the New Jer- a New Jersey concert in 2004, but I had known her from the chat room. But um she was friends with the drummer Gas and she went to uh, was it am was it am rock or something like that in england and she spent time with the band there and then the next concert i went to we were in vip and i got to hang out with the guys and they they all went nuts for camel cigarettes <laughs> like it was so random like one of them bu- bummed a cigarette for me and then they all saw i had camels and they're like oh my god can i have one <laughs> Camel cigarettes back in the day. It was the most random yeah. shit yeah. you'd think of. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and especially to that shows like the lifestyle was different. We were just talking about that as a group, really, that just the entire lifestyle of when we became fond of this type of stuff and started pursuing it, like the world that we lived in, like our friend Don Jeffries talks about America 1.0, 2.0. I'm not sure where in this that we stumbled into the love of heavy metal. But what our culture was like, but I, I definitely had a better fondness of most of the heavy metal acts that I grew up with before COVID. <laughs> um, it was yeah, a real eye opener yeah. for me to see a lot of people sort of go a certain conformist way that I never thought would have. Yeah. And um, <laughs> well, the the yeah. thing is that we can talk in fondness of people like a Cliff Burton tonight, and we can talk in fondness of a Dimebag Daryl because they, they weren't around to take part in the propaganda campaign to get shots in arms. <laughs> you know, that's something that, yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm kind of grateful that I didn't have to have that part of that image of that person ruined in my <laughs> mind forever because of a situation <laughs> like that. Exactly. But, yeah. you know, is it is it hard for anyone here to separate the art from the artist yeah COVID, COVID fucked me up completely you know not, not only in music but in life right to, to separate to separate one or the perception you had of somebody pre-covid to post-covid you know i, so, I honestly think it depends on what the situation is for me i got a role bro 
No problem, Billy Ray. We appreciate you have having you here, and uh, man, it was great hearing your stories about you know pursuing this uh, love for metal. Do it again, and I'll be listening. All fair. Absolutely. Take it easy, guys. Thank you, sir. Take it easy. Have a good night. Yeah, I just want to say, Chuck, he lost his internet, so I was just on the phone with him. At the at was in the stream, but. He's working on trying to get back into it. He had a long, hellish day stuck in the mud, so he's going to try to get back into Hey, man, we endure. That's what we do in heavy metal. Somebody falls down, you pick them up in the mosh pit. So, But uh, we'll keep trying to get more people on, uh, Lord willing, with, with weather, with mud, <laughs> with technical gremlins. Hey, I just yeah. wanted to say earlier, one of the hey, dudes Tom, don't say you want to go too. No, 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 no. Oh. I'm here for, dude, I'm here for the hall, brother. Oh, um, <laughs> um, one of the Deftones is a flat earther. Yes, that's oh, no I shit. That's why yeah. I mentioned Stefan before. Yeah, Stefan Carpenter, the, their guitar player, like he gets into some of the, like the, the conspiracy theory stuff. And, yeah. you know, I really oh, haven't yeah. like delved into that much of what dude has said or claimed. I don't yeah. know like how much of what he's on to or how he approaches it as much. But I do like to see at least that when people have those sort of questions, because uh, I also believe that Stefan could not do certain European dates when European countries were required vaccination as well. So, I mean, that's something where, you know, I may not completely get down with all the flat earth stuff myself. I may have questions just like any other human being probably should. But also when you see somebody like that that has at least the, uh, the balls to question something, that when they're willing to have that much conviction, where they're willing to allow it to affect not just their art, but their business. Like Stefan Carpenter from the Deftones is an important fucking member of that band. Like you, you can't just go and fill in any stadium without like the guy that provides the majority of the sound of that band. And just like for him to say, fuck it. No, I won't go over there. I won't do that. I'm not going to put my body or my own uh, ideology or whatever it is that I consist of on the line for your fucking rules and shout out to uh Madball too for having shows in in new york during lockdown and wanted to get people to fuck out of their houses and saying fuck your stupid rules because that's really what all of this shit was really supposed to teach people now what was like, the gentleman the gentleman that was in the offspring that he got the boot or he walked away uh, he was Pete Parada, uh, yeah yeah and you guys talk to him on am wake up yeah yes yeah, yeah, yeah he was he was the first guest i booked oh wow yeah. and he was oh, excellent yeah he was absolutely excellent. Yeah. And I, I remember listening to that and shit. I would, I would love to talk to, to Pete too, because Pete had his shit together. Like, yeah. because that's the type of person where you have a tremendous opportunity like that. Like how many people um, that ever grew up playing an instrument or even wanting to play an instrument would kill to be in a band that's well known and well off, like, a, like an offspring. Right. And, and you're not going to comply. You're not going to give up yep. your life's dream. You know, even though you might be made and tour in the world, you know, because of it, that you'll say, no, I won't do that. Like, there's only a certain type of human being that'll make that sacrifice, though. Exactly. Like, so many people fell from the bullshit fucking Milgram experiment when yeah. it came down to it that just immediately yeah, followed authority. Sticking to your convictions. And well, yeah. actually having, and having convictions and not just going going with the flow. Yes. Well, like, as soon as... Because like it's not a conviction if you change you change your mind, you know, to to go with the crowd. Well, at least not without a logical explanation for it. That's the problem that you know you can change your mind because you fucked up and you were wrong. 
Like that's that's the grace that we're all given. And as that's human fine. Beings. Yeah. But also, like if you don't admit or have humility and coming out and saying, like, I this is not metal related necessarily, but for someone like Tim Robbins to come out, you know, after he acted like a shit, like other people <laughs> did, and, right. and admitted that, hey, I really looked at this the wrong way, like this whole vaccination thing. Like I did well, not lot, approach this the right way at all. Like even yeah, seeing a lot that, of a lot of people got taken in by it because of the fear, and fear does fear makes you retarded. It really does. It short circuits your brain, yeah. so it like it kills the the rational part of your brain because you're you're thinking with emotion instead of. That's why we know, get bombarded with all the these rational part. Yeah, that's why they always want to keep us yep. uh, in fear with these shootings or terrorist attacks or whatever just because we're not going to think rationally and they can keep controlling you know yeah well, that's the, also like, a, a live element too like when you're in a situation like tom described at that slayer concert yeah you're you're I sort got of more that, stories that, so <laughs> that, that fear that fear takes over too in a different way like the the way that human the human brain can conquer certain fears and just especially with asserting yourself, especially physically, like in a mosh pit type of scenario, or even being willing to go into shows. Like I've been to shows with bands that were notorious, like hate breed for, for having people show up with like fucking steel tone boots and, and brass knuckles, you know, in their pockets, ready to swing on people just for no reason. Like I, I just, I don't understand it. I, yeah. I love the music. I don't know if I care for the vibe as much. But I've also I've really delved into a lot of the more progressive metal myself too. So it when it comes, you're down more to of it, like the white power uh, metal, right? Fuck no. <laughs> he said the white no. powder. I, I the say white powder. Yeah, metal. <laughs> well, that's like is some it, of the whitest dudes you'll ever metal? see. <laughs> <The white laughs> powder metal. Yeah. Like when Shelly mentioned, like some of the areas of where like some of the music came from that she likes from the heavier genres. Like uh, a lot of my favorite bands came out of Sweden. Um, as we yeah. welcome Angry Tiger to the stream, there we go, Angry. It's there good to have you, brother. Oh my goodness, it's been a battle, man! What a day! Thank what God. a it, day! It, you get stuck in like quicksand or something. We were talking about that band, and it's just like, well, it just it just so happens one of our friends is stuck in quicksand right now. Well, I I attempted, you know, I wanted to do some fishing. Dogs and there's a spot on the river I like to go to, and it's, you know, you got to take a two-track back there. And I got an 8,000-pound F-250 diesel, right, with a 4x4 malfunctioning. I got lockable hubs, but you still need the 4x4 to work. So I'm out there, and it's time to get out. And she, she I buried myself, of course, because that's what you do, because you get frustrated, right? And then uh, that that's what happened, man. So the Chinese hillbilly wasn't around. He's working. So he has to come tomorrow with his diesel because he's the only other guy I know. And I'm not paying somebody to get me out of there. We do things ourselves around here. So he, yeah. tomorrow morning we'll go out there and get Did it you out. blast some Slayer at least while you What's were that? Did you blast some Slayer? <laughs> yeah, I was blasting Slayer. I was blasting all kinds of shit. I was pretty angry. The bouncer was like, oh man, the mud's flying and everything else. What the hell? But see, uh, here, I, I made it. It helps you make it, makes you feel better. Sorry, I'm late, everybody. No, no worries, dude. Right, man, and Glad we're, you we're happy it. to have you. It's a party, man. That's that's the that's the vibe of this show. We're not we're not worried about anything. We're just worried about having a good time. If nice, anything. I like the backdrop too that you, you did. A nice job. Yeah, we got. Cliff it was Burton. fun putting that together. Got... Little yeah. hard to decide who was going to make the cut on on that type of thing. And I was telling uh, the guys off air, 
uh, that I'm glad that I didn't have room to put a vocalist in the mix because that, right. that's what creates a lot of crazy debates in metal and even like creates such a division in the styles of metal. I, I was yeah. saying before you jumped on uh, that Shelly mentioned like some of the European type of metal that she listens to. And um, I've definitely been uh, really into the Swedish metal for a long time. Uh, bands like Mashuga, In Flames, At the Gates, um, all, all those different types of Gothenburg, like uh, death metal <laughs> and deathcore type of styles that have come from that too. Uh, so much of it influenced by that type of stuff. But yeah, definitely Mashuga. Like, there's no way I would have gotten into um, as much of the futurist type of stuff that I like. And just like the other concepts too of like rhythm and time that they that they get into there, it, it's a challenging listen at first because like it's not like other music, and it's very similar to Rush in my opinion the way that it flows, but it really challenges you sonically. Like well, I've been trying to get Six and Tom into Striper myself. Oh, Striper yes. to hell with oh the devil! Oh my god! Oh my god! Didn't they used to throw Bibles out into the crowd? Yeah, they were <laughs> yeah. The, opposite the, way you know, the Bible, right? I mean, as a Christian, that's totally, you don't throw the Bible anywhere. <laughs> you don't listen to Striper either. Shelly, by the way, it is an absolute pleasure to meet you. I did send you an email. I need to get you in the Tiger's Den if it's okay with you, though. Hell yeah. I. I meant to tell you, I, I haven't gotten any emails. So All right, I'll try again. I'll try again. I, I don't know if I'm having issues with emails because somebody else said they, they sent me an, a couple emails over the week or over the week, and I haven't gotten any. I'm just uh, glad I got to meet you and be, and be able to tell you that in person because I know we were trying to do this, get this together. I didn't want you to Yeah, it was nice to meet you too. But, but hey, Six, back to what you were saying about Masuga and the Swedish death metal scene and, and, and how that kind of evolved. Um, now I got to admit guys, I'm kind of a metal purist, right? So I, at first do not like that, that style of metal, but I, but, but to six's point, it is a progressive, like, kind of like our contemporary progressive metal that if you look, it's extremely technical, right? What threw me off when that first hit the scene, you got to remember, you know, I'm 49. So I, my, my bands were first Judas Priest and, and, and and Iron Maiden and the likes of that Saxon stuff like that, you know, Dio, all that. Then the thrash scene came, and then that was kind of where you know I was stuck for a long time. Like Metallica, when you when as soon as Inner Sandman came, I was done. Washed my hands, done. All all done with Metallica. You know, I stayed within the underground. Like this, right? Yep, yep. <laughs> to your point, though, six. The the now I appreciate you know because you've dropped some of that in in into the Metal Sundays, and I listen to it and I appreciate it. And you know, just like I didn't used to appreciate like Nightwish. You guys know who that is? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, oh, I. That's so funny you say that because I was just about to mention that. <laughs> I have you guys heard of Sabaton? Yes, yes, absolutely. Okay, so I went to go see Nightwish uh, in Worcester, Massachusetts, and they were touring with Sabaton and Delane. That's where I would usually was go. Was that the amazing Central? show? Huh? Was it at the Centrum or? Um... I can't remember where it was. was it like maybe? a big, uh, oh, the, uh, yeah, okay. I know what she's, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, I went for Nightwish and I ended up coming out a Sabaton fan. Plus, <laughs> there was this like 10 year old kid that went to all of the East Coast shows that he could make it to, uh, the Sabaton shows, and they brought him on stage that night. That was so nice. cool. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's awesome. I mean, I, 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 I love, love that kind of vibe that. at the, the power metal shows. Yeah, it's definitely more of a family friendly affair. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't see 10 year olds following Acacia strain as much. No. Um, so this, that's the, we're talking about that's the thing about metal it's it's so wildly different in the all the different subgenres that it has and it's a very interesting cultural thing like it's no wonder that sam dunn from headbanger films like studied uh anthropology you know that you when you study uh sociology and culture and the way that things separate and the way things sort of evolve and change and progress like it directly relates to the other shows that we do in our respective podcasts like the the way that people see sort of different angles and different things the way people push certain new ideas a certain way like if you have an idea that things are supposed to sound like black sabbath like tempo wise when you switch to metallica it's like this is a completely different style almost but they they're both metal um it, it's just that they the the unbelievable effect that Eddie Van Halen had on the sound of a electric guitar is also testament to all of this too. Like the, the technical ability and equipment of our era when we were growing up, you know, of just having tube amplifiers and other things and access to only so much stuff is almost stupid. Now, when it comes to like modern technology, if I want to get the sound of an angle amplifier that I might never see going around the entire East Coast and all the music stores that I can find, I might not even find one, but I can just dial it up and boop, it's right there, right in my, my digital audio workstation, like nothing. It's so unbelievable what the next generation of metal artists are going to be able to do because they're going to be able to pull everything from every bit and every era that we grew up in and every little subgenre of metal that we like. Like it's going to be easy to find both the Deftones and Nightwish and blend those two things together, and that's what's exciting it, well, about it. Not not only that is you you can get musicians from all around the world to collaborate together as yes. a band, which Absolutely. is amazing. And you can like just different styles from all around the world and just mesh them all together and create and even a new genre, live on subgenre. There's, yeah. there's a, a band that a listener sent me called Atomic Annie, and I've watched a couple of their videos. It's mind-blowing. It's uh, They have a guy doing like beats and production stuff with like a machine mic, like a machine or something like that. And then he it's like a MIDI controller deal. And then a guy playing guitar. And just like they do these amazing like synth, like if you like Emerson Lake and Palmer and Pink Floyd and that type of like synth uh, type of sound to that classic synth stuff and stuff from the 80s. They do amazing jams for like an hour and, and just like it, it has like that space rock type of vibe to everything too, like visually with their streams. Very cool stuff. Like you can do amazing. Like I would love to on TMP in the future have uh, performers come on because we have the ability with StreamYard to do uh, private shows and we could sell tickets to it even. And we can have you know listeners and ourselves all have a, a private performance with an artist in the future. The fact that we can do that with the tech that we have and all of our various lifestyles and what we got going on and everything these days too, it was almost absurd to me. Like when I first picked up an electric guitar in my life, like I had to, I had to go to the public fucking library <laughs> and, and pay a couple quarters to print out some tabs for some ACDC songs <laughs> so I could learn what the fucking major chord was and how to finger it. Giggity. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, giggity, giggity. 
But Chris, I mean, you you also picked up an instrument once or twice in your life too. Like, do you Ooh. remember like get, doing the baby steps to kind of learn how to play metal guitar even? Like, it's just, it's humbling. Like, it's something, it's it's hard. And it's something that you will never fucking master. And then you watch freaks like James Hetfield downpick and you're like, what the fuck kind of mutant is this? Like, how do you do that and keep time? Especially yeah, with somebody I, like Lars. <laughs> I can make Lars jokes all day. Lars um, jokes. We can yeah, do no, I had, a BC, <laughs> I had a BC Rich uh, that my father smashed on me. So fuck him. Fuck uh, you, what, dad. What else did I have, too? I had um, I had, uh, I had an Ibanez bass. I had all kinds of shit. And it was awesome like learning to play that stuff. Um, what was the question? Yeah, James Hetfield. Yeah! Oh, absolutely, dude. Yeah, there's no there's no other person I can think of whenever it comes to like picking those types of riffs. That no, that I want to tell you mind, also, like, besides like the musicianship and everything, Metallica really shaped kind of like uh, I just did a thing on George Carlin on my show, uh, and Lane Staley. I've been doing these tributes to different people, but um, Metallica played a huge part in how like I my worldview, like as an adult, like. With with songs like Disposable Heroes, Damage Incorporated, you know, the video up. for one for me was life changing. Oh, what about yeah. Injustice for All the song? Well, that's yes. what I'm saying. Well, that's what I'm oh, saying. Yeah, like absolutely. all these things, like uh, made me aware of like political issues or like fight fire with fire or you know things like a nuclear war. Things I was made me realize the history I was being taught in school wasn't the complete history. Right. It, it made me think because the history I was learning, it was just like they were dumbing it down. Yes. They were they were removing the harm that war causes. They were telling you the benefits necessarily of exactly. living in our corporatist society of just like, hey, you should be thankful that grandpa went to World War II. But if you well, fucking talk to grandpa, he would tell you that now he's a pacifist. Now he would never want to send any young people into war. That it was never worth that. And that we never fought for freedom over there. Well, that taught me a lot, too, because it made me... Um... Besides appreciating that music video, what they were able, the music video art as an art form. Um, yes. It was perfect with uh, with Metallica's one because they were using clips from the movie version of Johnny Got His Gun. Yes. And to this day, that's something I'd like to remake as a feature film, like the ultimate anti-war film, you know, but do it like a modern day version, like post uh, Iraq you know, Johnny got his gun because it's about the whole thing is about um, the horrors of war where a guy steps on a landmine in world war one and he loses all his senses. He, he's bedridden literally in hell. And he says it in, in the book, in the movie and Metallica uses it in the lyrics. And it's one of the, there's a reason why tenacious D says, uh, says, um, you know, in their, in tenacious D lore, they they're talking about the it's an ode uh what is it uh, six it's a um tribute, tribute. song tribute yes. is to the the greatest song in the world and it but their version is just called tribute and that's what it is that the song that they're i really can't fucking talk song that they're referencing though in tribute is metallica's is, one is metallica's <laughs> one Thank that me. makes sense Yes. It makes sense. The greatest I mean, song if, in the world. And I can't argue that because it is one of the greatest. If there was the like world. a heavy metal like museum in the future and I was one of the curators, I, yeah. I would feature that video to people. Yes. Like to show that there's different periods and there's different genres and there's different types of heavy metal. But one of the things, just like in other forms of art, realism 
it was was so powerful in the thrash movement like thrash has the ability to be right on the nose lyrically and just tell you what the fuck these people are thinking and they will also talk about rated r subjects like well, this was well, adult music this was adult male music and they lost to jethro tull for that music video just yeah, think yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that's the, the that metal was, was always the, 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 they, they don't like metal. They're always against it. But something I'd like to point out is that sure. most of the metal that you know, and I don't know, maybe I, 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 you hear dumb metal, right? I mean, I wouldn't call it dumb metal. Everything has its place. Okay, the cannibal corpses of the world, right? The music is good. The lyrics are ridiculous, over the top, right? And it really nonsensical stuff there's some other bands it's nonsensical and it all has its place but thrash especially um and the old older power metal and even the newer metal today you have to be a thinking person and i noticed it to, in my opinion in my perception in my life going to all these different metal concerts and you you go to a old like say i go to an overkill or a slayer show and there's newer metal bands there so you get the whole gambit of the crowds right they're either really dumb or they're cavemen right that's the two kind of metal fans you are they're really dumb like cavemen or they're super smart that's what you have in in the metal uh group you know you don't they're either total animals or they're thinking people to understand a lot of what's going on in songs and words and when i was 10 years old i'm dictionary time right i'm trying to listen to slayer and don't understand what the hell they're saying and i'm getting out the dictionary and i'm learning Right. Or I'm listening to Maiden or Dio and I'm learning about ancient cultures, history, ancient history. And that for me sparked something in me that, that is, you know, now I'm always, you know, look at history is one of my, especially ancient history is one of my favorite subjects to research for fun. You I learned know, the well, metal, I think you gotta be smart to listen to metal for the most part. Slayer introduced me to the horrors of World War II with the yeah. angel of death. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, uh, people that didn't know about Mengele before that song like it was it was it was a lesson for many young people finding finding that song sorry shelly go ahead uh sabaton's um albums are all i e each album is a is a history lesson on a different war wow. it's it, really cool That's and they, wow. they, they're friends with uh what is it uh like the time ghost uh youtube channel with uh the world war ii channel the world war one the the in between two wars or whatever it's called they they're fantastic but they're friends wow and yeah it's that sounds cool. like a sick podcast to check out in general too yeah yeah right. yeah that's such an important era because like going back to just like being in school and finding metal and having friends that were into metal like i remember in fifth grade uh, a classmate like becoming friends with them and uh, he was into King Diamond, and I'd never listened to King Diamond. Yes, man, man, was I blown away. The range on that motherfucker. Oh, my yeah, he was, he was the lead singer for Merciful Fate for a while, too. Yes, yes he was. And, and, and he the likes imagery, Dairy Queen. too. He likes Dairy Queen. I had that confirmed. But that was back when that shit like <laughs> hit people hard. Like when you look at like Merciful Fate, or like I know that you're also a Venom fan in a way too. Uh, you know, but but like that like, imagery back then hit people super hard. And like it, after a while, though, just like anything, and like Billy Ray and I were talking about a little bit about ECW growing up too. Like after you crack somebody in the fucking head with a chair and bust them open so many times, like on TV, people have seen it. 
now it's like it's sort of like it depreciates in value sort of because your brain is used to seeing that stuff it's like what chris and i have been talking about with like some of the crazier shit that we've watched now we've broken our brains watching terrible things but just like in metal like it's always been there to like provoke like a certain thing and it's just like it has its own provocative elements but sometimes those elements just go away like cannibal corpse to me now is more about like alex webster's bass tone yeah <laughs> no the music yeah those types of things yeah and i get what i, I absolutely get what you're saying too but there's something else about like thrash that sort of lived on in some modern bands that really keep it to a realism uh type of element or something biographical or something social um in their lyrics i've really been digging a lot of kubla khan recently and if you read some old school thrash lyrics and compare those to what kubla khan is talking about right now uh the song swan song about their running into uh, a prostitute on the road like something like a story our friend harlan might tell <laughs> harlan stonewall um you know and he would he would kindly decline harlan because he's a gentleman right and he would also tell her that uh to pray to orange jesus and may his tang be with you um uh, but uh, yeah <laughs> he's the tank tang wipe yes no but uh you know it, it, th that type of autobiographical or real type of that leads back to like singer songwriter stuff too like i learned about dave mustaine that he grew up with like cat stevens and other stuff like that in his house too and it makes sense like when you look at the structure of the songs and the melody and the beauty sort of in a megadeth song like I especially well, i'm a megadeth like, man yeah. Yeah, absolutely yeah uh, i mean that's that's number one out of the big four for me you know i i love metallica yeah, and slayer and and i have a lot of respect for anthrax um well maybe not scott ian so much anymore we'll talk about yeah that. what yeah look yeah. at that yeah just with, well yeah just the... six you got to remember a lot of the bands that we like are not going to jive with our political views they well this is the way How i look sad at is that though you know well, you know what though <laughs> this is the way i look at it. they're entertainers okay mm -hmm. entertain me I, I don't really want to hear what your political opinion is. That's not your, that's not your wheelhouse. Okay. That's, a, that's more our wheelhouse, right? I'm, I'm not gonna, it's hard because I, I like Star Trek, the next generation. I can't watch it anymore. Cause Patrick Stewart makes me want to vomit in my mouth. Yeah. He's fucking, <laughs> he's terrible. Oh, too, put that on a poster. You know, heaven forbid Bruce Dickinson start coming out and espousing, you know, some kind of ridiculous you know belief that i i don't hold with and i because i'm principled right i'm not going to deal with that just like i what you know starbucks coffee is really good sometimes you know they have some cool shit there but i don't go yeah you know it sucks well that's that's the thing with the art and the artists so you know in these days too in such a, a commercialist culture like the underground the scene that used to exist where it used to have flyers and fucking people that knew people to so they get invited to the shows like that type of scene is the one that i worried about never coming back after covid that just like nowadays people are sort of just burnt or they're even like broken from the experience where like the culture would change and like people wouldn't want to go to shows and mix it up anymore. And they'd have so much rather fear or just like maybe even sort of like, Oh, a separation from something that used to be important. Maybe they found that Netflix was better, you know, instead right. of going to a show or something. So, I mean, one of the things that sort of lifted me up a little bit in the past couple of years is that there are shows again, uh, we can gather, it's weird like approaching certain artists or like seeing them come back and talk about it after COVID and how it affected them. Because I mean, if it were me and I were in some of those bands or something and that you can imagine that being in a touring band and not making much money in that genre in, in the first place, but then having your entire lifeline of money 
like you talk about on your show, Tiger, you know, just taken from you because of a government edict, not even like a real law or real rule at, at all, but just now your stuff's just shut down. And what the fuck do you do? You just paid like however much to get a record done, go on tour, get t-shirts printed, and then fuck me. <laughs> you know, well, right? Well, it was horrible, dude, because, okay, so COVID, before COVID, I went to a, a concert, Overkill. Nice, dude. It was awesome. Lots of people, usual people, usual suspects. They got a, they're got they a working band, right? So they tour. So they got a cult following, right? So they usually fill whatever little shithole that they, they, they go to, right? So after COVID, we go to this shithole Harpo's. It's world famous, Harpo's here in Detroit. I, I busted my ribs there at an anthrax concert and woke up in the hospital. It was great. Anyway, um, but uh, we go to Harpo's, dude. There was, it was a ghost town. You know, there weren't that many people there. And it was, the energy there sucked. It just, it wasn't like, it just sucked. It was, and the band felt it too, you know? And it was, it was a shame to see that happen, man. It just, well, did, dude, COVID did something not to get off. And I don't want to go off into the COVID land, but it did something to the psyche of the aggregate. And I, I'm not sure what that is yet. I don't think anybody's sure what that is yet. Well, the venues that bought into the bullshit are actually like cheered it on though. Like the right. ones that started requiring vaccination to go. Like I refused. I sat out. Like I, I had, I don't even know how many fucking tickets purchased. I go to a lot of shows. Yeah, the I, old, I my sold old lady, all the thing. tickets that I had. I sold every ticket that I fucking had that would require anything like that. And I wouldn't even go if they wanted me tested. I was such a son of a bitch about it. Because I'm like, fuck you. I'm not lining up for a test to do this bullshit. I never signed up for that when I bought this fucking ticket. That wasn't part of my contract with you. Right. You can't just up and, and change a contract with somebody mid-stride. Because what happens? I can rather get what I want out of this exchange or I fuck off and go do something else. I have plenty of ways to entertain myself. I don't have to give you my fucking money. Like that, that was like one of the most disgusting things about it. I've been going to shows since I was three years old. Like to, to say that I'm no longer allowed to participate in the culture that I grew up in. If I don't want to become a willing experiment <laughs> and, and then seeing like your favorite people, like, you know, people that you would defend, even when they were shit asses like Gene Simmons. That you would see them come out. And even oh, Dee Snyder from Twisted Sister, who we talked about before. <laughs> complete shit ass. Complete yeah. shit ass. Jella Biafra. People like that. Yeah, I found that out from Steve from AM Wake Up. That, uh, yeah, it's disappointing. Yeah. It's so Very. disappointing. Very much. And it, like, it, it goes against the whole vibe of the genre, and it just seems wrong. It's like with punk. Yeah. Like, what yeah. the fuck happened? I know. <laughs> There should what be nothing to guys, you know, stomp your face in with their, 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 uh, you know, their army boots on. We're going to Wall Street now. <laughs> I mean, everything sort of goes like everything sort of jumps the shark, you know, whenever it comes to a style of music or a culture. And I don't know really like how much longer metal really has as a genre mm. because it's not really allowed to be popular. And I've noticed that since the first economic crash of well at least the biggest one of my lifetime back in 2008 metal itself radically changed after that like uh, aggression especially adult male and maybe even racially uh segregated aggressions were no longer allowed in any way because of what they may represent like i i found that heavy 
and and really insightful or something that has something that's um, sort of subversive in it music-wise was just taken away from us. Part of the conglomeration, right? That's just like our, our way of seeing or even hearing things like from terrestrial radio dying, like the rock stations going away and now they're fucking country stations or they're oh, the sports talks. So you can hear about the sports ball bullshit. Yep. So, but well, you know, rock and roll. Is there any good rock and roll, regular rock and roll band? Nope. Anymore. Even the newer ones that sound halfway decent, they're just ripping off Led Zeppelin, right? Or ripping oh, off yes. some other old band sound. Nickelback. I call it pop. Like pop. Rock. <laughs> Nonsense shit. You know, we all want to be big rock stars. I, I just, the writing sucks. It's because you watch the culture get superficial. So the music is superficial. Yeah. It's, all pro, music it's all pro tools too. People are not really singing anymore. They're not playing their instrument. They use the fucking computer. Yeah. Oh, so much of that. So much of that. Can I ask you guys a question? I don't know if you guys discussed this or not, but for me growing up, so, you know, and where I lived, there were in, in the schools were kind of segregated in a way that was a little bit different. It was financially segregated. So all the people who listened to metal and all and punk were all poor kids. Nine times out of 10, we had some of the rich kids would be with us, but nine times out of 10, we were the poor kids the misfits, the little guy who'd be a dork unless he was, you know, because he had, you know, he had a Slayer shirt on. So he was part of the group. We had long hair. It, it, it metal for better or for worse, I believe made my life very interesting because I, I went into that underbelly, the underground, the, the, everything was underground. It wasn't mainstream. We didn't give up you know, flying fuck it's because I could swear here what yeah, anybody yes. thought. We, I carved fuck the world, you know, yeah. in my arm with a knife daily just so it would be there and scar, right? Shit like that. We were, you know, not like the, hor the horror fans, the horror fans the same way. Yeah, we didn't care about the jocks. We, you know, we didn't care about the preps. We didn't care that they had better cars or their girls were better or whatever. We, we didn't care. Our girls were witches, motherfuckers. So fuck that's because we were getting better <laughs> drugs than them. No, but ours were better. And he'd supply the drugs to all the jocks, but we'd be doing the work pennies at us and quarters at us and, spit at us and beat us up if they found us alone. So that, that it, dude, it was like a club. Yes. Only and, and everybody was kind of and it wasn't clicky either. We had, you know, this group and that group and this group. But when it came down to it, if you know, one guy got beat up by a bunch of jocks, the whole club came in. The punks, right. had the metalheads, everybody. Yes. Yeah. But yes. You know. well, in, in my high school, I maybe I don't know if it was just me or what, but I I mixed with everybody. I was me on too. swim team, so I was in with pop you know, the more popular girls, the Atlantic girls, and I was in the art stuff, and then I hung out with all the stoners and the punks. Those were my friends I hung out with at lunch, and I don't know, I, I just, I kind of floated. Yeah, I could have People, but I, I graduated high school in 98, so that, that the mid-90s, really, like, I, I feel like that was, like, a very specific in time yeah it was around the, people, the around that columbine time where you had the people that were it was wearing right before it shows. right yeah. before it yeah, yeah. you had um, more racial unity it seemed in media yeah it was well it was okay more so cultural unity technically in media. more reality in media <laughs> like back then it's well, it was such okay. a weird time to be alive 
it was it was after the gulf war yeah and before 9 11 and it was a decade without war supposedly except for you know nato yeah but yeah. hey <laughs> let's let's not let's Glad not focus dog. on that because it's not declarative war and it's not just us right um police action yeah <laughs> police action <laughs> but um so it was like a really odd period and you know it was all anti-label nobody wanted to label anything uh we had labels those were jocks burnouts grievers punks and squid (laughs) then you you had the preppies there was yeah we were all labeled up i mean there was labels but you know there was a lot of people who were like we were worried about white did you guys have skinheads we had skinheads we had about seven yeah oh well i i I grew up in Oneana and I graduated with like maybe 150 people, if that. So they're, Oosh, they're right. You graduated like, with the Oosh, You graduated with the Strange guys. I didn't. Uh, they, I, I graduated in '98. I think they were like three years behind me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I graduated with Corey's sister. Yes. And I was on swim team with her. Yeah, Corey. I found a photo. I I found a photo somewhere of me on swim team. I'll have to. I'll have to put that on Twitter. (laughs) We didn't even have a pool on a swim team. King Philip and Rentham, Massachusetts. Yeah, we. uh, There's a lot of pretty white bread, actually. Looking back now, but yeah, I graduated in 2002, so. Yeah, it was a weird time because it was like Columbine happened. Then nine, I was sitting in class when nine eleven happened. We were watching it on the TV as the second plane goes in. It was weird, but um, yeah, I was, was working. Yeah, <laughs> surprised I was actually uh, in, in Col- the classroom. <laughs> Columbine happened my the the year I went to art school ninety eight to ninety nine. Yeah. Um, so I, I was already out of high school, but they, when I was in high school, they, the, the Kip Kinkle shooting happened where he was really fucking mental Yes, and he murdered his grandparents and had them hidden under the beds. And he was hearing the voices. Yeah. Bill Cooper went all over that, that whole case. He was hearing shit. Like they were pumping something in the air or so he was like. He was, oh, I'm telling you people, go back and listen to the hour of the time when he talks about the Kip Kinkle thing. And uh, uh, now so that, that happened. Yeah. yeah, that happened. And I think that happened my junior year of high school because my senior year we was the first year we had a security guard. Well, the Columbine thing, Shelly, you know what? It's weird. I'm wearing this shirt. I was get I was uh, thrown up against a wall because uh, two weeks after Columbine, me and my friends, um, they were trying to say that we wanted to blow up our school. And I was actually wearing this shirt. Anyone in my other friends were wearing like uh, corn, I think corn and Limp biscuit or something. And yeah, they were wearing those. Back then. Yeah, and they were like, they were giving us shit. Like we were the next uh, trench coat mafia. I didn't have a trench coat. You know, I, mean, I think some of my friends may have had a couple, but we, it was just weird because around that time, it was like uh, the Matrix had, hadn't really come out yet. You know, and I guess the whole trench coat and rave thing was going on in the mid '90s, and a couple of years prior. So, oh, dusters were popular, man. Yeah, they were. Silent Kevin, Bob. Kevin, yeah, I was about to say Kevin Smith. Probably had I, to do yeah, that too. that's the only reason I would wear one 
was because it would hide the fat. You know, he was almost like a Batman, like a cape or something. Dude, you know? dude I was a crackhead in a trench coat back then. You had Literally. a trench coat too? Okay. Yeah, because I could hide all kinds of different things right. there. Exactly. Oh, you get, yeah, you can get everything in those. I things was like Inspector today. Gadget with that shit. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Great oh. reference, man. Inspector Gadget. That, oh, that's so weird. That's so weird to think of me you know, not being able to wear a trench coat in high school because every single Halloween, people dressed up as the crow. Uh, the crow well, or Freddy Krueger had one in West Craven's yeah. Nightmare. He was wearing a well, um, the crow came out, I think, my freshman year of high school. So every every year in high school, people dress like a bunch of people would dress up as crow. Yeah, and Brandon plus, Lee. Plus, yeah. that was when uh, Manson first hit the scene. That's right. So th there was other kids wearing trench coats on a on a regular basis. It's guilt by association is a powerful fallacy. Yeah, it's it, used is. A lot. it is. Like that, it's that just goes to show you. It's called conspiracy. Yes, <laughs> yes. I mean, if you get things like that, like so, just like the amount of stigma, right, around a, around the trench coat itself, that you couldn't yeah. even wear something like that, that it symbolized something that was supposed to like nail your personality to a certain type of person. Like that is such an absurd thing because you realize how diverse like people are, even people that have affinity like us and do the things that we do and do the types of podcasts that we do. We're all radically diverse thinkers. We all think in completely opposite directions. There's no way that we could put the same t-shirt on all of us and we're all the same person or same way. Right. Like I, that, I, just like, I like the band, the band cake. That's where I get my, idea. Hey, it's yeah, not metal, but yeah. yeah cakes. All right. <laughs> that thinking though, to, to group people like that, all it's the Nazi playbook shit. It's yeah. all. <laughs> and, and that's what pisses me off is that, that today we don't see that when nobody knows any of this stuff when we're, it's just frustrating sometimes, but back to the metal show, Mr. Cooper. Yes. Oh, sorry, guys. I've I've had a lot of people coming through the house tonight, so that's why I've been well, super quiet. Well, I haven't heard quiet. Brother Tom's voice since I got on here other than hello now. What yeah, was it well, like in your I, high school? You're more towards my age. Was it okay, segregated? Okay, so my high school, brother, the there music segregate you. You liked a lot of kick. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that band, oh, so you know. Um. I like cake. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Cake, it's Anyway. Um, no, we had skinheads. Uh, we didn't have a whole lot of black people uh, when I where I went to high school. I didn't. I, I dropped out in tenth grade. So me too. Uh, I, Me too. I couldn't take it anymore, dude. It was yeah, it was three BS. Gone. Um, it was just too clickish for me. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but yeah, we had skinheads. We had the stoners. You know, that's the that's the people I ran with mainly. Um, yeah, I hung out with some skinheads. So what you know. music though did the stoners listen to? Was it metal, heavy metal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were listening you guys to thrash were jean metal. jackets with patches on it, long hair. Well, mainly for me back then, it was uh, I was pretty much into uh, hardcore death metal. You know, deicide okay. stuff like that. You know. So we we okay. So you were allowed like we you you fell under our protection if you were. Uh, with us and poor kid and you had a winger shirt on but you weren't respected with your winger or your deaf leopard or any of that kind of shit if you were Iron Maiden was about as soft as it could Dio was allowed but anything other than that you were you were you, you were uh, I won't say the word I bet you Kip Winger Maiden, wanted but... to kick Mike Judge's ass back in the I day I know dude. yeah <laughs> talk about guilt by association to put the name of your band on the dumb kid on one of the most popular shows in a particular type of demographic like you just 
fuck that guy's whole business. Like Kip Winger went from what being the bass player for uh, Alice Cooper and like going from that to a solo career. And then just now he's shit because Mike judge had two cartoon characters make fun of his shit. <laughs> like that's, that's, that's the business for you though. <laughs> that's how finicky uh, entertainment is. You know, you're here today, you're gone tomorrow, right? Sounds <laughs> like Klinger. I discovered yeah. a lot of bands I would ne- would never have heard of on Beavis and Butthead. Oh, absolutely. Like, Guar. Like, absolutely loving. Guar is awesome. <laughs> yeah, Guar. Even Danzig, too. Like, more Danzig. of Danzig back in have the day. Because like, I missed the original Guar Misfits show? era myself. What's up, man? Dude, come on. you got to admit the... Uh, first danzig album is one of the best metal albums you know what i'm saying like oh, dude, right on the blues track of things too like if you like bluesy sound and shit danzig does some really bluesy great there can be any metal without blues six you yeah. see, oh, every, do, you, yeah. do you just see uh, you guys probably talked about this uh, the evolution and where the music comes from when that four four right that yes. blues that 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 it all comes from that you can take any metal riff and break it way down and turn it into a blues riff if, if i'm not mistaken you're right a uh, lot speaking of, it. of blues uh the shenango blues fest is walking distance from my house and it's this, this weekend nice excellent yeah it's, i mean yeah lots of blues music weekend. is something great too i mean but that also that brings up another thing Popular and and modern blues mostly focuses around the electric guitar. Um, The way that the electric guitar and the way that even the guitar is made, uh, there's a certain approach or physical approach to playing it. So the reason why you get a lot of blues and metal crossover is not only just because of the way that one learns how to play pentatonics and learn different things in musical theory, but then also the pedal tone itself. Like the bottom string on an electric guitar and the way that you can make that sound and palm mute it and other things. Right. When you when you focus like the, your composition or your riff around that, which is heavily borrowing from blues, of course, but you are you are sort of keeping the same type of tempo and uh, availability of certain notes uh, by doing that too. Um, often drop tunings too. Uh, this this is attributed a lot to Tony Iommi of Black Sabbath. Who, if you guys don't know, cut his fingers off right after getting signed as a band. (laughs) He was still working and finishing up his last couple days on the job and cut his fucking fingers off, folks. Stubs. So what did this guy do? He took old soap bottles and melted them down and made his own prosthetics so he could still play and then tune his guitar down so you don't have to go from one to three or something like that on on the guitar neck that you could just do it with holding down one finger instead. And just like the beauty of that, though, a lot of that went back to blues. So then you're going down to that low note over and over again, and you pedal that low note over and over again. It's the same thing in bluegrass, too, just mainly higher and more trebly. Um, but- oh, yeah. Bluegrass, dude, and metal that are very similar in, in pace, tone. There's a lot of similarities there. Oh, so you look at modern guys like Billy Strings. They're shredders. And they they love all the Shredder stuff, too. Like, all the stuff that we're appreciating tonight, I'm sure that those cats get down with as well. I I bump into a lot of those guys because I go to bluegrass shows, too. I mean, the the thing about this is is that, you know, you you have to look at, like, a certain structure and sort of reverse engineer sort of how we got there. And by you bringing up, Tiger, like, the blues part of this, then when you incorporate the classical element 
like what what happened with Cliff Burton and Metallica. When you look at guys like Envy Malmsteen too, like you have, you have an incredible like sort of culmination in this classical approach to guitar, which focused around more melody and chord changes and a lot of different uh, technical type of elements to playing the guitar, almost like a Paganini type of thing. And then you can oh, wow, you know with, Paganini. Wow, that's excellent. Six. Oh, yeah. Well, shred. If you want to shred, <laughs> that's that's the grandpappy of shred shit. right there. Absolutely, dude. I mean, and then Rachmaninoff, too. Like you, you, you take that classical element and you combine it with that blues element. Now you have timpanies in Wagner. Now you have something that has that pulse and that drive of the human heartbeat behind something that's beautiful and melodic and complex now. So it's just it's beautiful what what the modern template of metal can be, uh, but I just I question what it's allowed to be, you know, sort of commercially, like back to what we were talking about with like the collapse of economies and just like what we're what we're seeing out in media right now. The fact that the major media companies are what three now, <laughs> if you even want to call them separate companies, or if not divisions of government or some type of bank. <laughs> Well, you know, you know, six, I want to I want to ease your mind a little bit with that, because here's the thing. No matter what it is, people get into. Right. Um, there are going to be people who get into something because they're good at it. Then there's going to be people who get into something because they're good at it and they're greedy. Then there's going to be people who get into something because they're good at it and they're they love what they do and they might never get rich. And I think those are the people that are going to shine right the people who are good at it and looking to get rich their music they're, they're writing for like you said for the love of the money the people who love the music who are writing for the love of the music performing and giving their all overkill dude they're not billion millionaires they go and play all these little shitholes three times a year you know they're a working man why do they do that do you do that you think they like living in their bus no you know, they do it because they love it. You know, it's just like, like fireworks. That's why what makes me think about it, dude, fireworks is no fun at all. You're moving cardboard boxes. It's, it's a labor of love. And I think it, like a doctor, there's some doctors out there. Most of them suck They're you know, but there's ones that got into it because they want to heal people. Maybe, right. That's what their passion is. And not to so, pay for it for eight hours. I, I think music <laughs> will always have that attraction to the people who love the music and they don't give a rat's ass about other stuff they'll stand on their musical principle what do you think well no i mean it's a testament to what we do like uh, in diy media whatever happened to what we were supposed to get uh with the revelations that we were supposed to have an alternative media after COVID, whenever it came to authority no whenever whenever it came to people that um were in positions of power and influence in our market decided to not really tell people a, a a positive or even worthwhile solution to to go towards um with just telling them to go out and vote harder with telling telling them to just you know maybe we'll get orange jesus you know in you know next time and he's, he's going to solve our problems no. i mean i think that the, the solution comes with within smaller communities creating culture this is something that's been on my mind a lot, especially after, from talking to our, our our mutual friend Vince Agnali. Like, of just if we were going to start over, how do we do that? Well, we we have to rope in our own culture locally, like the different areas that you know contributed to different things in metal, like the different punk scenes, very you know various different types of styles and approaches from a DC to a New York to an LA you know type of hardcore. There's there's all different types 
of, of that music that blends together. We right now on this panel are coming from various areas. We we have different experiences between you and Shelly. Like Shelly had a more of a blend in her life because maybe being around the Detroit area and the influence there of industry drove that sort of segregation in society. And I've seen it happen throughout cities where it's just like you look at the industry collapse, you look at it fall away, and then people go into their respective groups for shelter. And, and it's just like that shows a, a, a desperation sort of in our culture, in our society. And I think that where, where that desperation, Shelly's like, my dog is being a jerk. It's, it's all right, dog. Dog just wants to get in there too and talk about their favorite albums. We love the pop pop. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, um, no, but, but for the way that, for the way that we're treated sort of in mass though, um, I don't see heavy metal ever being on the stage of where like Metallica was in the early nineties when they switched. No, Black Album. no, I, yeah. you know what? I don't want it ever to be there. I'm glad you're saying that. Cause I don't ever, I don't I, think it belongs underground, there. baby. That's where that's where all the good shit was. It was all underground. Oh, you it know still what I mean? is. is in this, guys. Yeah, that's what I'm Here's saying. A question like, for you guys. So I, I might be. I, I, don't, I really don't care what people think about me at this point. But do you, you six? It sounds like you listen to a lot of different kind of music. Oh, an incredible different amounts of music. Yes. So I'm a big metal head. I love metal. I love punk. I mean, I also like some rap. I like some R and B. I like a lot of different stuff. And I don't have. I like old old school, much to Billy Ray's uh, chagrin. Old school Latin dance music. Old school electric music. The I I mix my own shit. Right. I mean, even for my my commercials for the Angry Tiger thing. You know, when I that electric shit, I got to mix it up and and fuck around with it and get it the way i like it and scratch it up and all that shit which is cool like you said now i don't need all this equipment i can do it online i can do it digitally and i love all this different music lately i've been listening to curtis below and shit like that oh yeah that's old school yeah that's what we grew up with look at the rap even look at the rap tom so the rap from Curtis Blow and Rapper's Delight, you get Run DMC, then you get Nakul Modi and all that good shit, and then it, it gone commercial. The commercial shit. It's because Blondie and them got into it, dude. What's that? I said because Blondie and them got into. She started rapping. Yeah, be here. A couple of her songs that are rap songs. She, yeah, she's, she's one of the first. Yeah. One of the first. Rappers. Debbie. Debbie Harry uh, used to live. In Cooperstown with her father, and she come into Oneana to eat at the Neptune. Their father. Wow. Yeah, yeah I had friends that were at the Neptune, and they all said she's super nice. Well, well what about Bob Dylan? You know, we brought up CBGBs earlier, like bands yeah. like the Talking Heads and others. Like there was a there was an era there where shit was just so experimental Tell that you had that crossover still between like hip hop and all that. I remember being blown away watching Stop Making Sense, the Talking Heads live production, because there's no way that that was shot all in one take. Um, <laughs> but you know, just watching like David Byrne perform while he's singing and playing and dancing and doing all these different things. But then they brought in like the elements of hip hop and funk. Like they had Parliament Funkadelic mixed in with like singer songwriter and like jangly sounding guitar and everything it's just yeah. there's such a weird culmination i i just love when shit's mixed up like that like fusion like red hot chili peppers do that well too 
Oh, fucking truth, man. Yeah, definitely not given enough credit. I mean, Rick Rubin himself being involved in their productions, also being involved in Slayer. No fucking, and also being involved in the greatest, you know, probably New York rap ever too. You know, I mean, when you're, when you're talking about the influence of one guy, one producer, like Rick Rubin fucking unbelievably owns this, this whole, you know, thing. I mean, like we never would have learned about some of these bands without his influence. Beastie Boys, those types Dude, of groups. Slayer was on Def Jam rec re Records, which was a rap label. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, right. absolutely. I mean, there was a which Rick there. Rubin was part of. Like, why did that? And, and, and that's the thing, too. It, it always astounded me why it was like, it seems like it was sort of prevented from really crossing over. Like the, I, I grew I, well, no, I grew up in the more of the new metal era when I became like a young adult. So yeah. just like you had the corns and the other Limp Biscuits and the stuff like that around. But just like at that point, it seemed like music and even acts like Kid Rock. Like we're, we're starting to show people that, yes, you can blend all these different things together and it's okay. Like you can be a white guy and appreciate this kind of stuff and it's okay. It doesn't make you a certain type of person. Like we used to have this term called wigger. Like back then, we still do. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, we still do. I remember those days. We started that term, I, think. I went to art school in Utica, <laughs> Utica, New York. I don't know if you guys know anything about Utica. <laughs> I mean, do you remember the fuzzy yeah, tracksuits? Do you remember, like, do you remember the Kangles? You know, the the white the white shoes, all the yeah. deal. Yeah, like we had the yeah. D Kings in our high school. It was interesting. It, you know, and that's the thing too. Like, look at what happened to culture after Elvis, though. Like, look at what happened to culture after even Little Richard. Like, I brought it up in the chat before, but like, I, when I watched the Lemmy documentary, Lemmy Kilmeister from Motorhead attributes most of everything sonically of where he ended up and, and, and stealing from, essentially, because <laughs> all great art is that it's it's some form of emulation or theft or you know theft. just homage to you know depending on how you look at it, right? All that being made mostly subjective, but um, so, unless you really, really did steal the shit, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, when when Lemmy points out, who you know, if you're familiar from Airheads, according to them, is <laughs> God. Um, yeah, you know, boy, is yeah. you know, is <laughs> saying that Little Richard, the guy who was probably really really gay, yes, he um, was. had a, had a huge influence in just the sound of aggression. <laughs> you know, like you think of Motorhead, you don't think of like. Woo. <laughs> you, know, that's not, you know that's not the kind of like way you bop to that kind of you know thing but like when you when you take that same type of hard pound and tempo and god knows where he got that from um and put it to uh dialed in 10 distortion as well as on a you know, through a marshall on bass too wow what a sonic force that was when i saw motorhead guys live oh. it moved innards like yes. it just it 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 goes in you. You want it to, but you you wouldn't be able to say no to it even if you wanted to, right? Dude, he steps up to the mic. You you hit <laughs> all right, and you, that dirty bass starts going and it's just dude, you're like it's like being electrocuted, bro. It's it's that is methamphetamine. <laughs> yeah, you know that's what that is, dude. That's, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> the, the chest. The, the the chest uh, the chest rattling concerts are the best when you feel you feel it go all the way up from your feet right into your chest and it yes, rattles you know. your chest. 
Oh, absolutely. Best ones. When the band oh. is giving you their energy. Yes. Yeah. Right? Like, okay, Iron Maiden. I don't miss their concerts, you know, unless I'm in prison. So that's the only time <laughs> I miss Slayer Iron Maiden concerts. All right? Yep. Um, They're 70 years old. Last time I went to see them. And, I'm, you know, I'm watching. These guys are between 60 and 70 years old. The drummer is old. He's 70-something years old. I Maybe oh, 75. Nico, yeah. Yeah. Listen, I'm listening to him drum, right? I'm like this whole this whole hour show. They're running around all across the stage. You know, Bruce is running around. All of them are, are all very animated, yeah. and for a whole hour, and they're giving you their energy and their time. But their energy, and you can feel it in the music and the crowd. If they're attuned to it, can feel it. It's an awesome thing. It's a dude. And then Bruce actually band. flies them around. He's What's a that? pilot. I said Bruce actually flies them yes. to the next gig. He's the oh. pilot. Oh yeah, they have their own plane. Favorite metal band. Yeah. At least the singer finally did something for a band. You know, <laughs> like they don't have to carry any fucking equipment. Even if or they have their own mic, like bitch, you carry a mic. You know why they did that? <laughs> he did that. He did that so he could. I watch. If you watch one of the documentaries, I think it's uh, Flight Six Six Six, so yes. they could go to the poor of countries down in like in India and down in South America. Because they're oh, hugely that's... popular in poor countries. That's beautiful yeah. that you bring that up. Of course they are. <laughs> like, for, for any metal fan or non-metal fan that might be listening to this, imagine going to a stadium full of people that might not even know the language of the song that's being sung, but they know the melody that that band wrote so well that they sing it back to them in unison. Yes. It's unreal to see a metal show do that. Like They're such a great classical style melodic band. Americans don't do that though, bro. Them. They yeah. don't get that. Americans yeah. do not get that. I you, you watch a maiden concert overseas and they'll go, hey, 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 and everybody gets it. They'll, you know, Americans don't I noticed in American concerts, they don't they don't catch on like that for some well, reason. Have we I lost a bit of our faith in that unity though? Like if you look at those old world countries and the stuff that they've endured, they've sort of gotten to a certain point where they're just like, I mean, man, I know that your family probably comes from Italy, right? I'm sure some of yeah. those cats sit around and go, hey, we've been through enough of these fucking wars and these collapses and these things. Just life goes on. You know, that there is there is something out there that unites us. Well, you know, to not well, lose yeah. all hope. Yep. Yeah. There's on, a different... right. Yeah. AT, I, I love are you familiar with Raw Power? They're from Italy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Screams from the gutter. Screen, yep, yep. Okay. Wow, dude, that's obscure stuff. There's a. Oh, new, have you guys ever heard of Havoc? They're a cool thrash metal. I absolutely yeah. love them. Yes, yeah, I, I have. I have posted uh, "Hang 'Em High" several times uh, because yeah. of the <laughs> the lyrics of that song. I am trying to get those guys on my show. I've tried contacting them several times. Ah, uh, that would be fantastic, man. That would be a, that would be a great uh, opportunity to like pick people. Yeah, yes, uh, to pick their brain about certain things, the stuff that they talked about about the media and some of their songs and everything too. Yeah. Um, fantastic, man. But what what uh, what uh, Tom brought up though about different areas, and Shelley brought up earlier too, is that with different areas like that, you get to see the different types of musical education that's available to people <laughs> i mean the classically trained people and metal musicians that came from europe are fucking fantastic like it just shows like our public edu our right to education our group rights that's been sort of uh, forced on us to accept you know in culture is just like what has it gotten us as far as like people being able to even understand like why this music works the way that it does 
because other popular music is like a boop, 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 boop. You know, it's like a very simple type of droney type of repetitive beat that's just like programmed. And, you know, the, you got the singer that's just banging on about some kind of love song with everything auto-tuned to shit, you know. But when you try to explain like the raw sound of a metal song, and especially the old shit that has the rougher production, that it's it's more real because it's not jazzed up with all that stuff. You're trying to explain to somebody that doesn't understand music why that's important. That's a really tough conversation, man. Like if they have no musical education or background, when they don't know what a difference between like playing an A or like playing in D is as a guitar player, like and and how that changes certain things, like just like the, the tech technical end of it is sort of getting lost because of how our society is more forced to be in these public rights situations, you know? And if you have the ability, like if you grew up in a nicer area, maybe you have somebody in your life that can teach you something like Dimebag Daryl and Vinnie Paul benefited greatly for having family members that were musicians and into the music business and industry and understood things, you know? So like it's, I was blessed to have a father that loved music enough to be able to drive my ass to some guitar lessons when I was young, you know, bless him for that to this day. I mean, cause just that one little trick that I learned alone, uh, because my first concert was going to, uh, well, my first metal concert, I'll say was going to Aussie with my dad and I got front row tickets because my mom used to work overnight. So she would always be first in line at the record store <laughs> to buy tickets. So I got to see Ozzy Osbourne live in front row in middle school, and I got to see boobs, and that forever changed my life. <laughs> and then I wanted to learn how to play guitar, <laughs> so I could see boobs, and I did, and it was amazing. <laughs> That's all. Because you didn't see boobs. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. There not. you go, brother. There you go. And it was <laughs> worth every time I fucked up a power chord. It was worth every time I learned you should probably tune your guitar, <laughs> you know, or get it set up so it's not like in like you're playing Dwayne Allman's slide action where you're trying to play shred guitar. Like so many little different fucking lessons in life, the stupid Oops. ones, like to how to even sit and hold the guitar. All of those little lessons, worth it to see boobs, yes. But um, and that connection too, like with uh, music and, and and sort of being in that. The, the chicks that get into metal, Shelly, have you noticed something different about the chicks that get into metal? Uh, yeah. They're, they're, uh, more independent minded. I'll agree with that. I mean, especially to find it, to they're sort more of find wild. that aggression like, and that exception of it. Yeah. Spirit. Because yes. it's traditionally seen as masculine. It's a masculine-dominated type of genre. Like, no doubt that, that it's just mostly men. And in yeah, different no types doubt. of shows that you go to, there will be metal shows, and God bless them, where it will be like a split crowd that you'll see both, like, female and male there. And then there'll be other types of bands, like the death metal stuff that Tom and I like. It's a sausage fest. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's yeah. Jimmy Dean should probably sponsor that shit. It's such a sausage fest. Yeah. I, I do have a friend that's into death metal, and her and her boyfriend regularly go to death metal concerts. See, and that's such a crazy, crazy subgenre, but like sonically and also classic classical music definitely having a huge influence in it too. Um, you can find a lot of great stuff. Um Definitely probably one of the coolest dudes I ever met in death metal was Alex Webster from Cannibal Corpse. Uh, I talked to him mostly the time about uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, though, 
because uh, when he shook my hand, I noticed that he probably could have crushed my hand <laughs> if he'd wanted to. Like, there's a reason why that dude could play fingerstyle bass in that genre for so long. Because Tiger, you know, you work with your hands, brother. <laughs> if you wanted to grab like a some sort of bolt and rip it the fuck out of something, you know, you you get that grip going on. <laughs> you're muted. Oh, you're muted, brother. Little guys like for a little guy, people who want to play the squeeze the hand game with me, they get surprised. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know, so a guy like that that works with his hands a lot, yeah, man, you don't want him grabbing your gi. He's probably gonna choke you the fuck out too. <laughs> that's my that, that's my go to. If all my all my uh, taekwondo and all the shit that I know doesn't work, I'm gonna just latch onto your throat and just pretend it's a vice grip, right? <laughs> oh well, have you ever had to go like caveman mode at shows? Like, cause I, I've never really had to like full on defend myself. Yeah. Like I do. I was at one show that got stopped because I pushed a guy and he punched me in the face. And as soon as the security noticed who punched me in the face and why everything stopped. <laughs> but yeah, we, I was at the, when I went to, I went to CDO and Anthrax uh, opened up for them and they had a, a different lead singer. I can't remember the guy's name. I wasn't really fond of him, but I was in the mosh pit and there was these, these meatheads, right. Running around the mosh pit. And I, you know, I'm a little guy. We're moshing, but you know, I'm second degree black belt. I was going to, you know, karate at that time. You know, I was teaching, right? So I was really like light on my feet. So they were getting really rough. So I started messing around with them. You know, you want to try to slam into me? I'm going to make you guys slam into each other. And like they'd go go after me maliciously. So I'd get behind them and like Donald Duck them and pat them on the head and shit. But one of them got me when I wasn't looking, and I broke my ribs. I landed like this. So that that time I lacerated a lung, lungs filled up while I was watching Dio. Didn't know and passed out from the lack of oxygen, and woke up in the hospital. But the other time it was, it wasn't a heavy metal show. It was this club called Club X, and this radio station sponsored. It was down at the Fox Theater here in Detroit. At that time, it wasn't the Fox Theater. They were they were they, were, they, were, they would call it Club X, and like it was huge, dude. I would say probably five six hundred now more than that a thousand people on a dance floor and then you know multiple levels of bars and all this other shit and uh the beautiful people came on and i was with this chick and my my, my i remember it was the chinese hillbilly was with me and we had another guy with us and they, they, you know we we're just kind of like partying on a dance floor and they started moshing right and this dude just elbows me out of nowhere right in the nose you know it's probably one of the reasons it's, it's crooked today and i'm like you know, what the, what the hell was that for? You know? So, you know, I didn't think nothing of it. And then he comes at me again. So I, I'm in like battalion mode at that point. I'm like, you know, start fighting, spin kicking around my Chinese buddies, a stocky little Chinese guy. You see what's, what's going on. He come in there and started doing the, uh, what's that guy's name? Chop chop or whatever is that, you know, all that shit from, uh, James Bond. He was just basically a little, you know, like a little lumberjack guy doing shit. And then security came, beat our asses. You know, I had blood all over my clothes, but yeah, dude, I was like Jackie Chan for a couple of minutes, knocking people around. But uh, I, you know, inappropriate I was... moshing is the worst. <laughs> like when you go to like a small club show and nobody's moshing, but then there's one dude that just he's got to do it. He's he's like he has his shirt off, nobody else does, and he's just walking around the pit like doing like the, you know, yeah. like you know he's getting ready, you know, <laughs> and then he just starts swinging on like a little girl that's in the crowd or something, you know that that's how I've seen shit you know go down. I mean, but dude, yeah, I was at the, the big four <laughs> with thousands of people. Everybody had their shoulders in. When a dude dropped, they picked him up. I mean, this is yeah. thousands of people. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, had rules, it's, right? 
Yeah, that that's the thing too. Like when we, so when I was on uh, Guard's show and we were talking about the locking, you know, types of things that the, that social contract deal. Well, like it, when you're at a metal show, there there is a certain understanding of why you're going there and what you're about to experience. Um, I, I am fortunate enough to have a, a friend that had operated a venue for a while, and he had a sign up saying that you could die here. <laughs> like this is something where people have jumped off. Like if you look what happened to Randy from Lamb of God, like somebody can jump off the stage and hit their head, and they're just not here anymore. Like the way you the way you fell in that situation, instead of busting your ribs, it could have been your dome, and that would have been it. Like things <laughs> do happen at those shows. Like I've I've seen near riots. I've seen people headwalk onto the crowd. I've seen a lot of shit during Dillinger Escape Plan shows. That's for sure. But I've seen people like headwalk onto the crowd, which is running across the crowd on top of people's heads, folks. I'll I've tell seen you that. I tell you this right now. I know people that burned to death at the station nightclub fire in Warwick, Rhode Island, 2003. Yeah. All because so of anything can happen. has gone wrong. Yeah. It was sparklers in the foam. It wasn't supposed Fucking to be in sparklers. there. Sparklers, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I met I met people that were from there right after that had happened and everything. And I kind of pulled a Gilbert Gottfried where I kind of made a rough introduction with the joke and then went completely into something else afterwards. No. Yeah. <laughs> AT, you're muted again. Oh. A lot of those pyrotechnic shows and those smaller venues just should not be. That's, it wasn't you know, up to code anyway. So that's why right. the owners are still still paying for it. <clears throat> and they should. Speaking of pyrotechnics. 100, 100 people. 100 people dead. Has well, anyone we, here ever seen Kiss live? I no. hate Kiss. I hate Kiss. <laughs> Kiss. No, I'm not a fan of Kiss either. <laughs> make it up, make it up. Oh, I'll take that back. I have seen Kiss. Make it yeah. up. Yeah, like this. <laughs> I mean, as far oh, as a pyrotechnical spectacle of sorts, like I will, I will say that 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 part of it in production. There's no other metal bands that were really doing anything close to that type of production. I'll give it to Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper. That's where it was oh, at. dude, Iron Maiden was doing some pretty good shit yeah, when I was true. when I was a teenager. Uh, Eddie yeah, was coming yeah, out on the stage, a robot and shit, fire coming out of his eyes, yeah. all kinds of cool shit. Bruce usually goes up and kills him or some shit like that. Who did the coolest stage production? You guys, you think you've seen? Like Slayer uh, does really insane Rob shit. Zombie oh, for me. Rob Zombie. No, yeah. no, don't mention Rob Zombie. No. no, no. <laughs> okay, nineteen ninety eight, right? So uh -oh. this is when he went on his first solo tour. I was going to school in Utica, and his Halloween show that year was in Utica. I was $5 short for a ticket. Couldn't uh. ask everybody for a dollar. Nobody would give you a fucking dollar. Everybody I know went to that show. That was Just, a hell, hell, oh, hellbilly oh. Yeah, hell and, uh, yeah. There, there yeah. was this guy that... um that we all call space cadet because he, he did like every single fucking psychedelic psychedelic it like jimson weed uh so oh, wow. he, he he ate two caps of jimson weed and went to the, the the rob zombie concert nobody saw him for two weeks nobody heard from him for two weeks we all thought he was dead in a ditch he he just reappears after two weeks. He's like, yeah, I made some friends, and we all party for Rome. Uh, we all partied in at their place in Rome for two weeks. Living dead girl. <laughs> oh my god. I mean, that's what it's like watching John Five play for me. That motherfucker is so talented. The guy that plays guitar for Rob now. Yeah, well, yeah. actually, not anymore though. Not anymore. I, I take that back. He left Rob because he's now in Motley Crew. 
Yeah. Which wow. is another, another band that's like kind of like that. Yeah. They're like, dude, after their first album, they sucked. Yeah. <laughs> well, they went commercial, right? That's what that's kind of what happens, right? Yeah. Was it well, Shout at the Devil? That's another art from the artist thing, like Vince Neil as a person himself. Like, oh, he fucking killed a guy and got away with it with his yeah. car. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember him saying that he was like the initial version of OJ. <laughs> yeah. But really, though, like, what right. was that pointing out? That with enough wealth and enough fame or enough connections or enough purpose in the machine that, yes, you can murder they, people and they, get away with it? <laughs> they even mention it in the movie Airheads. Judd Nelson says, yeah, Vince Neil killed a guy and, and got away with it. We can do anything we want. Yeah. They have cleaners for those people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you kill somebody, they have someone come in, clean it up, and then you never did anything. Well, yeah. I mean, we, we so. covered the story of Ed Buck, one of the Democratic donors in California, major donor, um, and donor to God knows what else, because they were finding like dead homeless guys that had been on meth and then engaging in homosexual acts. They were finding multiple dead bodies in Ed Buck's house. No, like, but I know what Tom's saying. Like the record companies would have cleaners come because they had to protect well, yeah. their assets. Yeah. yeah, I'm just saying like that. That's a perfectly plausible thing. That's yeah, why I was yeah. saying that because like if, if you imagine like these are the amount of times where they got caught doing it. Right. <laughs> so the ones that we know about that gets through the media drip to to right. our ears, then yeah. Lord knows how many of the times it's actually happening. Right. <laughs> yeah, like well, oh. All the groupies that got hurt and got abused and shit with various yep. fans over the years, they had to have cleaners and stuff. Sorry, Shelly. Well, and they, just they, even modern always like had fixtures. They've yeah. always had fixtures in the entertainment business, entertainment industry at all since the very beginning of movies. Yeah, Warner Brothers. And were and the Warner Brothers, uh, the brothers of Warner Brothers. They were known to have uh, people clean up, uh, you know, dirty situations. So yeah, you're right. Right from the beginning of Hollywood. Yeah. Have, have, have you guys seen uh, the show Ray Donovan? I think it was Showtime. Yes. Yeah. That's all about being a fixer. That was from that's Boston. Really, that's exactly what that like, show's about. It's it's a you know it's a fictional drama, but that's a really yeah. realistic show. He, he was, he, I think he was from Boston and then moved yep. to Hollywood to become a fixer. And his dad, yeah, his dad was in the Irish mob. That's right. Fixers go all the way back to the carnivals of the 1800s. That term, fixer. fixers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I do know the origin of the word fixer. Yeah. Has to do with the the um games and the barkers and stuff. Yep. Oh yeah. yeah. And the fixer, when the problems would occur with the crooked shit, the fixer would go around and smooth everything. Yeah. Smooth everything out, and he'd smooth everything out in between all the crazy carnies because it was usually drama, just like today. Yeah. It makes sense, you know. I'm gonna have to get out of here in a moment, folks. This has been real, but uh, the tiger is just exhausted. This no, you look, you look tired, brother. For you, brother. Been We've been going for a while anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we have. Uh, I was going to pull this one up, though, just to add to uh, the stack for this week. Maybe get your thoughts on this. Since we were talking about fixers and stuff like that and connections, like if you weren't aware, folks, there's long since been a combination of the mafia somewhat in music and pop music for a very long time. 
and just as well the intelligence agencies seem like that's that's really weird isn't it um but if you uh take a look at this screen share that i'll do i'm gonna stop fucking up the production um there it is uh this one about randy Rhodes. uh this is one that kind of caught me so Sling conspiracy rumble with Billy Ray and Chuck and, and Tiger back in the day, as well as Chris. Uh, is that uh, this one? I grew up a big Aussie fan. I think Aussie's probably one of the main reasons why I got into metal just in, in general. But um, the conspiracy here uh, was Aussie guitarist Randy Rhodes murdered. Um, Tom, could you mute for us, buddy? I'm sorry. Thank you, brother. Um, says rock fans all know the story of the death of randy rhodes on march 19th 1982 the brilliant ozzy osborne guitarist who died in an unfortunate plane crash that could have been avoided but was this an accident or something else like murder do you think that there was an interest somewhat because when people pen things like crazy train which is another one that's like a stadium song now that this is this is used in popular types of things where you get a lot of royalties there's a lot of money there there's a lot of reasons why Ozzy was able to sort of fall out of Black Sabbath and the state that he was and reinvigorate his career to be one of the best selling solo artists of all time, really. Um, and not to take anything away from Ozzy. I mean, I, I watched the documentary that Jack did about Ozzy a couple of years ago and just seeing Ozzy in a studio talking about Randy, I could tell that he had a tremendous amount of love and respect for Randy. Yeah. But in these bands where people have a certain amount of just in the terms of like uh, Cliff Burton too, there's a certain amount of royalties and money that that person is owed because of acts like that. And when they die, what happens to that money? What happens to those shares? I mean, I, I've, I've, yeah. I don't know if it was like the situation where, you know, maybe he just shouldn't have been in that plane and it was that time. Yeah. Yeah, Ozzy loved Randy and James, and the, James and the guys loved Cliff. So, with those two, those two individual circumstances, I I think it was what it what appeared to be. There were accidents. That's me personally. Yeah. Now, Randy your, Rhodes was banging Ozzy's wife, wasn't he? Uh, well, not that I know of. <laughs> that's but, been uh, that's not that's not what I heard. That's been well, rumored. That's what I was going to say, too. Like, there's there's plenty of different angles and rumors on this. But, again, how much can we verify from that type of situation? Just because I'm into conspiracies doesn't mean I buy them all, folks. Yeah. So. If there was You can't one. believe everything because you can't believe anything. Oh, very true, man. Very true. Right. I mean, right. so what I'll, what I'll ask then to the panel, especially before you dip out, Tiger, is if there was a heavy metal conspiracy that you do think that could be true, what would that conspiracy be? Um, the CIA and their influence on heavy metal music at a certain point. And I'll split it with this. Um, there's definitely real backwards masking. I actually have participated in that myself. So Yeah, it's a technique. Yeah. So it happens. So whether or not people were actually putting in, you know, MK Ultra type things to trigger people, I wouldn't doubt it, you know. Or even if it can actually trigger people too you right. sent a, a great article so folks this week we're going to put on the all the uh, substack source list for this uh special is going to be consistent of a lot of great articles that chris has provided us but yeah anybody else on the panel want to want to add to that i would i would go with, along with kind of chris on the subliminal message thing mm -hmm. i'd really like to know about that that that's a that's a conspiracy that could be very true because it's you know it's a tangible thing right 
you know, it's and the CIA and the CIA thing too. You know, what 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 did they do to change the music because they ruined rap? I mean, and there's questions about the Scorpions' uh, "Wind of Change" being possibly written by the CIA at the fall of uh, the Soviet Union. You know. Oh yeah, was David Hasselhoff, you know, involvement and other stuff like that too? Like, because he became big around that time over in Germany. Like, was that all? Was that all organic? Was the Hoff really picking up organically over there, or is is, is this stuff pushed by by industry? He's a beefcake. Nah, that was just gross. Yeah, he's gross. Night Rider. Well, well, that's that's a stunning thing for me because like everything that's big, everything that's popular. Is it a work? Like, is it? Is there something behind it driving it that makes it that popular? And maybe that just doesn't work with metal anymore, right? Because it just well, like it's Tiger not said, gangster rap kind of came out of uh, there's documents to back that up that uh, that was you know maybe not an organically put together, you know, yeah, to kind of uh, corrupt the children, just like heavy metal in the eighties. At, at the very least, dude, it took over the whole genre. It just yeah. it's it consumed the whole genre there, and for a long period of time. Now it's not. Now they're ta- now. If you taught, well, I got a lot of black friends in the hood. They're in the hood, and you know they're our age, right? And I'm like, dude, what's up with the rap? And he's like, man, I'll ask him. So black people, I can say what I want here. They didn't get, like used to drink syrup and take Xanax and and draw and do all these weird ass drugs. Oh, okay, so even cocaine was taboo to them. Yeah. Okay, so now all of a sudden, the new generation, they do all these drugs and shit. And that's what my buddy June says. He's like, they'd be telling these, you know, I, I got to watch what I say here just because of racial stuff. But they'd be telling these people to, you know, you know, got 50 Cent and all these other people drinking syrup and eating quaaludes and all this other shit and telling these people to do this stuff. And they listen. You know, so is that is that intentional? Is it not? I don't know. But they they another blow to the black culture through music. Well, well look at look at the crack ac- epidemic did the same thing and they they had cocaine and cracking songs and it was being an nwa yeah well and, and if that not was drug all use, the, what about the, suicide the crack uh crack was created by the cia so it all stems to cia everything goes well yeah that and also grunge the grunge music brought the heroin back and made it almost uh a trendy thing with alternative and shit and that's why a lot of people think Kurt Cobain uh, played a part with that even though Courtney Love allegedly was the one that got him you know hooked on onto that in the first place but then you got the gangster rap thing you John Potash the author he has a book uh, all about that it's kind of like a spiritual sequel to Dave McGowan's weird scenes inside the canyon and uh, John Potash's book is called uh, music uh, I'm gonna fuck it up again music as weapons against us right right six Drugs as weapons against us. Yeah, that's what I said. <clears throat> See? Uh, so, yeah. So, basically, everything's socially engineered. But I think we, everyone on the panel probably already realizes that, you know? Well, just for the other people that might be catching up to this sort of stuff. That's the other thing that's great about metal. And thanks, Tiger, for joining us, man. If you got to dip out, I appreciate you being here, man. Um, no problem. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me, man. It was a, it was a, a pleasure meeting you, Shelly, and you will be hearing from me soon. And you, that's gentlemen, awesome. it's all, always an honor. Have a good That's night, AT. Thank you. All right, guys. Great meeting you. Yeah, me- nice meeting you too. Later, guys. See you, man. But yeah, that, that's the one thing that people are always sort of catching up on different things with metal. Like it's been around long enough and there's so much of it 
and there's so many different bands and there's so many different you know styles that people can get into that i still am able to find new things all the time that that's still kind of you know it's it's an enlightening thing like i i got to catch up on a lot of the stuff that tom has been sending me and just like the the tones and the style of of the writing and everything and the era that it came from like it i just have a much a much more tremendous respect now at this point in my life than I would have for something that sounded like that maybe 10 years ago. Like my, my taste buds have sort of changed musically uh, as I've grown older too. Like, and I, you know, Shelly, you've probably discovered a lot of new stuff, like just musically in your life as you've grown as a person, but like heavy yeah, music I, and the acceptance of that probably leads you to a lot more exploration because you're willing to listen to more stuff. Yeah, my my taste is mellowed out a bit, but I still like to listen to heavy stuff every once in a while. I I will say, ever since I started doing shrooms, my music taste has definitely mellowed out. <laughs> you will love Opeth. Um, you should definitely listen to some I Opeth too. Do listen, I do listen to Opeth. Very awesome. Yes. If it, not not all the time, not not often, but every once in a while, I'll, I'll put some Opeth on. Yes. And Tom, I, like, where do you listen to metal and heavier stuff in your life? Uh, I, dude, that's pretty much all I do is listen to music. I love If it. I'm not listening to a podcast, I'm listening to some music at work. That's what helps get me through the day. You know what I mean? It's what keeps me motivated. So it's going to be really hard and fast. Well, Tom, um, well, Tom you know what gets me through the, through the day usually? It's Taylor Dane's Love Will Lead You Back. Hey, whatever floats your boat, brother. You know what that's I mean? If that's what gets you through the day, that's cool. But for me, it's 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 fast, heavy, and, and loud. You I know? thought you were going to say the same. Oh. But Taylor Dane, she's all right. I like the way she sings. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, but that's old. You know what I mean? Taylor Wayne or whatever her name is, Dane or whatever, she's... That's back in the day when I was a teenager. You know what I mean? I know. So yeah, I remember all that. I'm not. I'm not even sure if I've ever heard that, Chris. <laughs> will lead you back. You don't remember that? I don't. I don't he posted know. on Twitter a couple yeah. times. Okay, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to do <laughs> something you, now. But look, I mean, if, if when I when we went out to go see a show, if we didn't get in a fight, it wasn't a good night. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's that's how it was. Um, it was so. like I said, Pizza Hut. Yeah, that's a different that's a different way of life altogether. Um, I also <laughs> I also partied uh, with the basses from um, the 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 band Inagata V. I can't remember the name of the band Iron right Butterfly. now. Iron yeah, Butterfly? Iron Butterfly. I used to party with that dude at a bar, dude. You we'd go to a punk show and he'd be there, and we'd party with him, dude. Yeah, you were gonna try to give him our show, right? Uh, I I don't know how to get a hold of that guy. It's Chris. That was a long time. That's when I was in my twenties. So you know what I mean. I I haven't seen that dude since. You know, like you shoot him an email or a telegram. Or something. I don't know how to get a hold of him. That's the problem. Now, there was no there were no email exchanges going on back then. You know what I mean. It just a message, wasn't a message in a bottle. No. I think I if think I could, hey, if I could get the dude on, I would. Stuff. He's probably not even alive anymore, dude. He was decrepit and old back then. Oh, so. now you tell yeah. me. <laughs> that was going to be the but, Christmas special. Forget it. Like I, I would. Uh, I know. I'm. I don't know if any of you are familiar with a band called Battalion of Saints, but uh, oh, I okay, used to yeah. go. We, uh, 
there for a long time they weren't allowed to play in san diego because it just it was too crazy um so they'd have to go up to la and we'd go up to la and we'd go in like a motorhome dude and there'd be a keg of beer in the back and we were going up there to meet somebody that had drugs you know what i mean and uh that's that's how it was you know punk rock baby <laughs> give me a keg of beer kegs of beer uh you know massive amounts of cocaine um marijuana it was we you know what i mean yeah, yeah so we were out to have a good time and we Sounds did like a good time yeah yeah we were doing whippets with uh, the cans yeah 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 yeah. Oh, dude, we would run in there and do the whipped cream in the store real quick. <laughs> <laughs> I did that when I was going to art school. We That's run right. around trade shopper at night. <laughs> I mean, being in certain environments and metal, but being in certain environments while being wrecked is a completely different experience, too. Like, if you think you're taking certain liabilities with your physical self in certain environments, doing that while inebriated <laughs> can be a little difficult. Uh not that not everybody gets as lucky, <laughs> but yeah, uh, whenever it comes to that and the fights too, like, uh, man, like this one time I'm at, I'm at a club and um, I'm there with some friends and all of a sudden the guy in the mosh pit just starts punching everybody. Yeah, like he just punches funny. my friend and my friends are saying, this is a small club. So like guys are just wearing backpacks and standing there watching the show. Like and my friends just standing there. He's got like a drink in his hand or whatever. And I just run it. I just run over and without thinking, I just picked the dude up and just threw him into the air. <laughs> and when he came down, when he came down, like security just separates the whole thing. And just like, you know, I think about doing something like that to somebody now, like the way I think about it is rationally would I want to put myself in that situation, like that type of physical altercation yeah. ever again. But uh, you know what? Like the, the rules, the rules at a metal show though, that you can't, you can push, you can bump into, you can, you know, you can have like certain type of physical interaction you're going to. You're gonna catch people if they're they're jumping from the stage or something like that, or even the balconies in some occasions. <laughs> Shout out again to Dillinger Escape Plan, but uh, no, in, in situations like that though, like it's accepted. But you know, th there's also like a type of chivalry at shows. A lot of yeah, there's a girl because... that falls on. The, yeah, she's down in the pit. We, you know, you separate and you you let you bring them up, you know, because they're gonna get hurt. All these, you know, three hundred pound guys like. Whoa, 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 you know, you gotta make sure oh, yeah. you, know, you gotta look out like for a, someone smaller. You know, like chivalry might be dead in like modern culture, but I'd yeah. say in the metal culture, I think men are pretty defensive of women. I know that there's been a lot of Me Too bullshit, you know, happening with different bands and, and things like that. And you talk about like the Def Leppard culture that used to exist there with groupies and all that right. other shit. Led Zeppelin with little girls, particularly like Jimmy Page and stuff like that. A lot like of horrible shit. shit. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes, yes. But nowadays, though, and like today's modern scene, the one one of the more positive things I could say about it, you're fucking around and like hitting a girl, somebody might knock you the fuck out. Yeah. Like it's a different, it's a different vibe. Yeah. It is. It's 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 definitely more conservative almost in that area, where it's still like it's it's almost acknowledged because of the physical nature of it too, that thou shall not fuck with people that you know are innocent or can't really defend themselves. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I, I see that a lot, you know, that that there, will kind of bring you up, <laughs> you know, when it comes to humanity there, these days. There was a study that was done not that long ago that said that uh, found that metal music, like listeners of metal music were happier and nicer people 
something like that. I've seen, I've come across that, that one. Than other other music genres. Yeah. More, oh, yeah. Uh, more Which, freer. Yeah, it's uh, blood pressure is down. True. Yeah. yeah, it's like cold exposure. It's just your 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 brain just as your body becomes tempered to things, your brain does too. I mean, like, I I will say that modern country like physically makes me feel angry. There's something about mod no something about the harmonics. Yes. Of modern because I'm I'm sensitive to EMF and and just different frequencies. I know a few my whole family, like that. My whole family is. My and whole that family fascinates is. me too. Like it really does. And, Oh, we can all hear electricity and feel um if we're like too close to like a power like a yes like a power station we can all feel it that kind of thing um it's but i i'm like very sensitive to music and it is i cannot physically be in the same room as modern country music there's something about it it's are you like, talking about like when you say modern country music? Are you talking about that pop poppy shit that is they consider a country now? Like not like back in the day where it was like yeah like, yeah anything anything stuff, like yeah. past I would say anything past 1985 I can't okay. physically withstand. Well, yeah. Shania and, Twain uh, I think had a big oh my god in that because, <laughs> because of all people though. Her producer, Matt Lang. but Garth Brooks. Don't forget people like Garth Brooks. Yeah, oh, Garth definitely I mean, too. Ugh. Yeah, remember when he did that whole? Was it Chris? Uh, I was just gonna say. Oh he's God, persona. he did that. Yeah, he yeah. like had. Oh God, that was so. Uh, what was it, Garth Brooks and Chris? Oh. Chris, uh, Chris douchebag. Yeah, what Chris was it? Gaines. Chris Gaines, something like that. Yeah, he should have gone Jim Carrey hard on that. It would have been better, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just really gotten into Jim it. Carrey is Andy Kaufman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what yeah. if they did a movie where Jim Carrey had to play Garth Brooks playing that guy? <laughs> oh, like, oh, how how good would that be? <laughs> I will meta, meta instead of the meta, other wrapped in other dimension through time travel. Like you mix everything in that shit simulation. Everything. Well, that's one of the articles you submitted, Chris, was like the playing an A440 and like the different yeah. types of uh, frequency ranges that people can tune modern instruments to. Yeah. So like the Metallica album that you're wearing right now, the Rather Lightning, is in that different type of tuning, has confused many guitar players over the years. Like, why doesn't this shit sound right? Well, that's because it's <laughs> like a percent off or something. So you have to like move it down with your tuner. Really that's weird right. deal. But like what you talk about with frequencies, though, that's the thing about music is that like Chris, Tom, myself, and you, Shelly, we could all sing uh, an A note if we wanted to, but that the sound of that A is going to be dramatically different from each of our different individual human bodies. Yeah. Um, that little je ne sais quoi, that little timbre, <laughs> as they call it, is something that makes everyone's approach to an instrument or singing or anything different, it, the human element of it. And in modern production, in modern country especially, that shit is so overproduced and so canned that it removes a lot of that human element. So you don't hear the air moving. You don't hear like the, the person actually singing that note. You hear a computer AI algorithm fucking with the intonation of that note consistently and gelled with everything else and things mixed in and out and bass removed. It doesn't sound like real life. That's probably why it's so discordant. And also, too, and we've noticed this with even like the shots that we were talking about earlier, when you're close to being uh, real, but you're not, 
you know, it's like the Frankenstein principle. Like you get something almost right, but it's not. Shit still falls apart somewhere. And I think you can tell about, you can tell Shelly probably from your, the frequency range that your body is attuned to that something's not natural about that. Something's yeah. off-putting because it falls apart frequency-wise somewhere. You know, and there are there are frequencies that are just often removed for the human hearing. Like anything it's, like 1K is just absurd. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's uh the it's like the um just the notes in the chords are off. Something about it is off. It doesn't sound like it's hitting notes or hitting chords right or it's discordant. That's what it is. It's discordant yeah. to me. It doesn't sound right. And earlier we were talking about off air, we were talking about Randy Rhodes and how Randy Rhodes had to play his solos over the solo he just recorded. So the way you double a lead like that back in the days that Randy Rhodes would have recorded is that you walk into a booth, you plug in and you rip your solo. But then he had to go back in and play that same exact solo perfectly over. So when you listen to Randy Rhodes play, you're listening to two versions two different parts in time of randy yeah. rhodes playing the same exact thing so perfectly that it rings in unison when you listen to it right that's why it that's sounds so badass good. yeah it's so badass so I mean, imagine game, playing something perfectly like that twice you know just in on and on audio tape which you know is you have a limited amount of you don't have unlimited takes on that shit uh just no. the cost of it alone so i mean he he was an absolute beast absolute beast so, but yeah, Tom with frequencies, vibrations. It's all about but, the vibrations, brother. Bam. I know you're into that. I mean, does it does it does it elevate your mood? Does it make you work harder? Does it make you walk faster? Does it make you pump more iron? Like what? Like when you listen to metal, doesn't it invigorate you in a way? Absolutely. Like, yeah, uh, dude. It's, and it, the, all this. Oh, you sorry. Oh geez, they must be going off. There we go. No, no, no. It's just people are talking in the background. So. <laughs> yeah, good. Sorry. Um, that pop music you're talking about, dude. That's music for the sheeple, and they're all sucked into it. You know what I mean? Um, so that's why, like it, the metalheads, they're not your normal people. They kind of know what's going on. You know what I mean? With what well, is there hypnotic frequencies? Are there frequencies that can manipulate people and their thoughts? Absolutely. Is there a way I to believe that 100%. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Well, there's the whole thing with the recent uh, Taylor Swift concert where people lost their memory of the whole show. I've heard well, that, yeah. What about that one rap dude in Vegas where all the people, uh, yeah. Was it Travis Scott? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think that was in... Um, Astro World, yeah, that was a huge... Uh, yeah. Atlanta? Yeah. Oh, I don't know, uh, maybe. I, I thought it was in it, Vegas, but... I don't know. It was in a big city. <laughs> yeah and what happened to all them people you know what i mean yeah they were playing really they weird. were pl probably pumping out some type of frequency and people started tripping dude and uh, i think you know i you know how uh the, all the cult stuff and like uh jonestown and all that that was all i was gonna say could have been chemical this is this not, is probably not just, just radio but chemical as well because you can introduce aerosols to the air right <laughs> i think this absolutely is I think this is just a continuation of like experiments. I think they're still experimenting. Well, yeah, you have to even ask like something like after COVID, why are they, why are they letting us congregate this way again? 
you know won't won't these won't these sort of congregations and us talking and spreading rumors and other things won't that be eventually a a threat to the establishment if there is some sort of overarching plan to control us that by allowing us to get together and express ourselves freely and openly and even explicitly like metal does that just like that that very way of thinking that that sort of open or sometimes nihilistic way of thinking and or at least cynical right? sometimes <laughs> that that somehow that makes people that are defiant that that won't go along with the plan no matter how it's you know presented or how slickly they try and do it and who they get on their side and who they pay to do it too that some of us just aren't going to fall for the bullshit like i think i'm I, i'm most thankful as a metalhead for the good stuff that i learned from it to keep me away from all that garbage for as long as it did like maybe you saved my life you know on more than one or two occasions of just where i could have gone wrong down the wrong path in life where you know i actually believe in something because it's hard to believe in shit these days isn't it guys <laughs> i mean yeah everything you know dude it's really hard to believe things it just, even if it's something you see nowadays you know what i mean yeah. And if I want to believe in the goodwill of people, if I want to believe in community, if I want to believe in some sort of unity or having common ground with my fellow man, a metal show definitely replaces a lot of that in me. Every time I go, the people I run into, the experiences I have, the stories I can tell and, and just like catching up with friends that I, don't, I mean, honestly, I might even not be able to tell you some of their names, but I just see them all the time because I'm always there. You know, it's it's been a great family to have in life. And, you know, I'm glad that you all were able to make it here tonight and hang out with us and all of our other guests got an opportunity to. So just just to go around, um, you know, for, for the panel before we close some things up here for the night, because we, we did run a little bit longer. We yeah. started a little bit late, ran a little bit longer. Sorry about that, folks. But uh, thanks to everyone for sticking with us. Looks like we got plenty of viewers still out there watching. And I hope everybody enjoying this on the replays, um, you know, has fun listening to this conversation about heavy metal but as a final takeaway from the show what what folks do you think on the panel what would you want people to take away from our conversation here about metal what would you want them to learn from this chris you can go first if wow. you want um just uh just check out some uh some of the bands we were talking about folks um, you know, check it out with an open mind. Don't be like, oh, it's just gonna be screaming. Some of it is, I'll admit, I don't like all all metal myself. Some of it is just like <laughs> and I doesn't do anything for me. And I like that, yes. And other stuff I think is melodic and beautiful and heavy as fuck. And I also like that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so just uh just keep an open mind and uh, just know that, you know, this is a way of transferring energy from person to person, a band to a, to people in the crowd, you know, and it can be a beautiful thing, cathartic thing, can open your mind to different ideas about the world. That's what it did for me at a crucial point in time. And uh, yeah, I'm glad that everyone that was here was able to be here. And that's about it. Thank you, Chris. Shelly or Tom? Tom, you can go, man. Um, I, I just want to say uh, the, some of the stuff you were bringing up about the pit, how you know if somebody falls down, we pick them back up. Well, if people, uh, if more people looked at life like that, um, I don't think we would have as many issues as we are, are having as far as like uh, race 
and sex and gender issues and all that. You know, because I mean? we're all human beings. Uh, we all oh, you peel the skin away and we're all just flesh and blood, right? We're no you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. No skin color, no uh, sexual orientation. You know what I mean? We just um, look like in hell we just look like Hellraiser when we had this. Yeah, stuff. yeah. Well, I mean, then we'd all be the same then, right? That's right. So um, so I, I, I like that that uh the punk rock, the metal communities, there there there's some unity there, you know what I mean? Help each other out. So that to me, that's kind of cool. And that's what I've always gotten seen through metal. And you know, it's super chaotic people, but at times it's uh super helpful, you know. Uniting. Uh, yeah, exactly. So that's well, that's my take on on metal. That's amazing, brother. No, thank you. And then Shelly, you talked about like, well, you've even been able to ex sort of expand yourself with, uh, well, hallucinogens and listening to music, and also being someone that's in tune with frequencies. So when whenever experiencing that with heavy metal or heavy music, like. What do you what do you feel and pick out from that? Like, how does that affect you? Uh, well, I I listen to like more melodic uh, metal, and and it just um crap. I thought <laughs> I I zone out. It it's something about I have to have very loud music like on my ears, and it just everything moves with it I, I see things like i have to have music to see things <laughs> but um it, it i don't know i don't even know how to describe it because i've had cool. people in the past tell me that they basically they, they like certain bands not because of their lyrics or the way that they look or the way that they perform but basically because of like just like it's noise like just the way the noise hits them like the yeah, type of energy it's like, that they uh, from it yeah it's like physically feeling the music it's got to be like the right vibration and the, just the right feel and it just resonates physically with you yeah there's something magical about it Really yeah, it is. It like is for, for a cynical fuck like myself, like that's Me even too. hard to say at times, you know. <laughs> but there's still something like after all these years of listening, after all the shows, like after all the people I've met, including you wonderful folks, like through my love, I wouldn't be doing shows like this if it weren't for me and John Henry being friends and both love and metal too. Like, so like just the the whole strange trip that it's been <laughs> has has been because of metal. So I want to thank everybody that's a metal head that's listened to this and all the non-metal heads that might be open-minded enough to check some of this stuff out. Uh, definitely go to Substack at uh, number six TMP and check out the source list. It's, it's an amazing source list filled with heavy metal conspiracy related stuff that, that Chris was able to research. So uh, definitely check that out. Um, also check out uh, conspiring with Mr. Cooper, which will be back on at its usual time uh, next Saturday night at 8 PM Eastern time. Uh, what do you guys got lined up for next week? You got anything going on there that you want to plug? Uh, we have, um, what the hell is his name? Lee. Uh, I can't remember Lee. his name <laughs> right Lee. now. Lee Ryder. That's it. Yeah. Uh, the, he he just put out a, him and some other guy just put out a new uh, RFK or JFK. Sorry. Uh, documentary. 
I get those mixed up. So, I know. Um, so yeah, that's what we have going on next weekend. Trying to get Kevin Smith on next week. We'll see what happens, folks, for uh, oh. my various shows. Fantastic. And then, Shelly, what's uh, AM Wake Up got going on? Yeah. I I believe Ben Balderson really is coming this time. Like <laughs> uh, and then you got T-Live Tuesday. And then um, the we got the new T-Snyder project right. on Wednesday, which is all about, you know, um self-sufficiency and getting out in community and doing all that stuff and yeah. uh and then the the thursday segment with texas slim that's good i like that dude and and the show yeah, you guys too. had on the show you had on tuesday with that dude who's doing the electro growing or whatever electro culture amazing yeah, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm, i he started following the uh am wake up uh instagram um account so i i was curious so i checked him out and i saw that he he was uh experimenting you know try trying out electric culture for himself and you know he taught himself and he it, it just it's it's fascinating to see somebody go out and do this stuff and i think it i think this is good for for people to see that they can go then do the stuff that we talk about just go out and do it just try it for yourself and I like that other girl too. With the she, uh, she specialized in the psilocybin stuff. Oh, Amanda Ray! Oh That's my right. God, we have so much in common. Yes, she was great. <laughs> we we talk for I I uh, I messaged her to ask her on the show. She gave me her number, and we talked for an hour and a half <laughs> it, to to get her scheduled. And she had to go, and I didn't even get around to booking her because she just got talking. <laughs> yeah, she's I mean. Yeah, be, she's I would awesome. be down I for having a, another TNP special about hallucinogens because our friend Chuck Ocelli uh, could probably contribute yeah, to yeah. that. Uh, we have plenty of people Tiger. in the community that would be able Angry. to talk about those those things and experiences and maybe how it's helped them and been therapeutic and other things. In well, life. you got Tom and you got Frank. Oh, you got Angry Tiger. Yeah, like we got a, so a whole bunch of experts here. We got Shelly right here. You know. Yeah, uh, this I seen it on shrooms. And um, according to uh, a Gnostic, that's God. Wow. Yeah. I mean, and I watched the. Uh, that's last... from shrooms. That shrooms. That shrooms. <laughs> wow. Hey, all I know yeah. is when the gnomes are running around, that's a good night. <laughs> I see more. I, I, I see deities. <laughs> I had a friend in high school who would talk about gnomes. That he would see gnomes. Yeah, like I, I don't know if he ever really actually saw the gnomes because I can't, like, you know, jump. Well, in I know with DMT you saw, see but... geometric shapes and everything, right? Yeah, you can absolutely. But you got to hit you that know, shit hard, dude. <laughs> I I've never done DMT, case. but uh from everything I've heard about DMT trips, I think my body is turning psilocybin into DMT. Yeah, that's what I've With heard. the trips I've had, it's it's insane. <laughs> but it's I would love to talk about that. So I'm endlessly fascinated. With <laughs> I this. do all the time. Oh. oh yeah. Well, it's also funny how that a lot of the heavy music that we talked about tonight came about after the acid culture era. That's right. Like what kind of what kind of realizations? Do you come up with, you know, to come George up Carlin with these styles after yeah. after psychedelics? 
it, it influenced heavily the experimentation musically, where it went, the type of sounds that it made, the frequencies, like Chelly yeah. pointed out there brilliantly. Like so much of that changed after acid was introduced into culture too. Um, so but what we talked about earlier with the CIA's involvement and other yeah. things. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so it could, and that's that's sort of like the thing that sours a lot of it, I think, for people though, that get into the kind of shit that we do. Um, that acknowledge certain things like cannabis or psilocybin and other things too, is that we know that drugs have been used as weapons against us in certain ways. So I do see the good side of where the LSD culture may have contributed to or something. I but, did say psilocybin. LSD is like what the fucking uh, CIA and shit. Psilocybin is naturally growing it and shit. You know what I mean? Yes. So that that shows you too, like what what you're relying on. Are you relying on a chemical component that's made up in a lab by some yeah. type of pharmaceutical company related to the military industrial complex? Exactly. Or are you taking something from the earth that may have influenced anything from like Santa Claus to yes. even Jesus? Right. <laughs> you know, like Burning it's such bush. Yeah, it, it's it really is such an incredible topic, but it all relates back to just like as we find in most of these shows, folks. It all relates back to what we started talking about in the first damn place. But trust me, though, you awesome. get you you get you some clean acid with no strychnine in it. You're gonna have a good one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I did. Uh, I did uh, three triple hit gel tabs the first time I did acid. Oh wow. Uh -huh. And it was clean. <laughs> and you're not on the moon still? <laughs> well, first time I fried on acid, I, I watched a lady's face melt in front of me. So I saw butterflies come out of this of a strobe light. I saw the earth's our nice. heartbeat. Um the earth's heartbeat. Yeah. Oh, I can see that. Uh I saw a frog like neon frogs on the ceiling with water in the background. It wasn't like the old yeah, school I, heartbeat of America commercial. Uh, it, was like, <laughs> it was like the earth was going boom, 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 boom. I'm seeing something boom, out of boom. Evil Dead, like with the trees <laughs> and shit. The trees. No, you know it was really it cool. Probably it probably does. It probably does have a, a vibrative frequency or something like, yeah. or a wave that continues because it, it, it's just, right. I, I mean, I can't probably explain the physics of it, but just understanding that thing if things do have a natural resonant frequency to them that they will it will pulsate or other things coming through space sonically and hitting the earth would make it vibrate well i heard vibrations were used to heal like a long time ago well you got the schubin residence and that's the that's the vibration of the earth right so that guy you guys so, had on tuesday he was talking about that so that's what people used to do back in the day to go to church they didn't go to church to pray to god they went to church to heal yeah sonic healing yes yeah well, from the, the it was from the organ of the air yeah that's why they took away all the bells right now because they the don't organ, do that. they, that's why they took away the organs with the big tubes yeah. and specific types of uh colored glass and the bells right and the bells yes yeah, yeah, huh. yeah. that just reminds me of like hunchback of notre dame the bells, the bells. He wasn't a he wasn't a monster. He was just a, a human with a bad back, folks. Give him a break. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, what are, what are your thoughts on Lon Chaney? Oh, no, Lon Chaney, because you're you're into the practical effects. Like, talk he, about a dude that had a tremendous effect on all that. He would create. He would invent his own makeups. 
when he would play like uh, various monsters. He put himself through a lot of physical pain for his art. The guy was uh, revolutionary. Uh, he was a great actor. Lon Chaney and then Lon Chaney Jr., his son, picked up the mantle. Um, he was caught yeah. uh, walking with the Queen by Warren Zevon. And where was of London? <laughs> well, no, I know where. On late Lon Chaney Jr. walking with the Queen is one of the lines. Right, the lyrics. Yeah, so. yeah. I'm, uh, <laughs> I ate too much lead paint That's in the just... 1980s. Nah, my joke failed. It's okay. <laughs> it happens to us all. It happens. But, uh, it happens. <laughs> exactly. Well, guys, it, it was a fucking pleasure talking to all of you. As it always I just is. wish Harps was here and John Henry, but I mean, what can you do, you know? Yeah, I can't get everybody to come to the party sometimes, but I mean, I'm, I'm thankful for all of our guests. Uh, I'm glad Tiger finally oh, yeah. got out of the mud. I hope that uh, Chuck Ocelli gets power again sometime soon. Like, he needs <laughs> more technical issues in his yeah. life. Exactly. He even said he that. Goes, yeah. He's like, yeah, I look forward to this. And look, of course it fucking happens. Tonight. The, the literal black cloud that's been fucking falling over around came over his oh, house him and, and me his both, power yeah. out tonight. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that I was the last little... thing that guy needed was that shit tonight. You know? <laughs> yeah. So shout out to Chuck. Also go over to Ocelli.com um uh, slash donate, I believe, and uh help Chuck out if you love the work that he does and the stuff that Chris does over there with Get Mad and everything. All these tribute shows, Chris, have been yeah. fantastic. Yeah. What, just, what's, what's your next big tribute show? You think? I'm thinking maybe Bill Hicks uh, would oh, be one of them. Yeah. Or also I'm thinking maybe Andy Kaufman. Talk about somebody I should really brush up on more, Bill Hicks. Because I, I always love Carlin and stuff and and like and I love stand-up, but like I wasn't old enough to really get Bill well, Hicks, I went back and I went back. I'm the same way. I went back and found all of his stuff after yeah. the fact. And it just through George Carlin and, and Sam Kennison and, and people like that. Yeah. But Bill Hicks, he was it, it's unfortunate because he never really got the the credit he deserved over here. He actually got pretty big over in Britain. You know, well, and, the well, Tool life. did sample him for one of their songs, I believe. He yeah. was actually a big influence on Anima. About right? drugs. Yeah. Well, no. Well, well, yeah. Well, the, not only that, but but the whole concept of Anima is that the the whole state of California or Los Angeles in general is supposed to fall into the ocean after yes. an earthquake, and Learn the whole swim. title track is all about uh, the Bill Hicks's bit. And Bill Hicks was supposed to open for them on that tour, but unfortunately, he died very very too soon. Kind of like a Dave McGowan situation where he uh, he got cancer very fast, and uh, he was actually at Waco too. And he was telling people the horrors of Waco at the time, and the video footage that he personally got to see, where it showed the tanks shooting fire into the compound. He was telling people that at the big at his shows, and letting the public know when on the evening news they were being bullshitted nightly. So you, you needed a stand-up comedian to tell you what was really fucking going on during Waco. Well, so a lot of people like, think that his, unti his untimely demise was, you know, there might have been some other stuff, go, you know, to it, you know. Like like the Jack Ruby cancer. Exactly. That rabbit cancer. cancer. That's yeah. right. Dave McGowan. People question that, yep. too, including Dave's brother. Um, uh, uh, Was it Carrie, Carrie Mullis? Carrie Mullis, the PCR yeah, the guy, guy. That invented the PCR test. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Right before, yeah, right before the lockdowns and shit, he died. Yeah, 
Yes. You know, we invented that while doing LSD. I didn't know that, no, but I know. Yeah. He had a I lot mean, of, I've lot listened of to that cat, and that is not me. a shock at all. <laughs> <laughs> he had a lot of bad stuff to say about Fauci, too. <laughs> you know? That's why then, he died oh, when he did. Yeah. 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 <laughs> there he I mean, uh, how does something become a diagnosis tool when it was never designed by the designer himself saying <laughs> it, that it was never designed to be a diagnosis tool? When he just magically is? Exactly. <laughs> you know? yeah. but, Chicken uh, or the egg. Yeah, so that's to answer your question. Yeah, Bill Hicks, maybe Andy Kaufman, and uh, I need to start getting some more guests back. You know, just people have been canceling left and right. I I finally was able to send off the questions to Lane Staley's mother, Nancy. Oh, that's awesome. He, the, the tribute concert they have every year on his birthday is coming up like next week. So I I'm hoping that that might actually screw screw the chance just because maybe I waited too long, or it might be just timely enough that for her to be able to promote the charity concert so we'll see what happens well i yeah. would hope that she'd want to get people that appreciate that kind of stuff you know would, yeah you know so, the, the word about that sort of thing you know you you can introduce a lot of people that appreciate both your work and that sort of music you know by going on your show and also creating something telling lane's story for posterity too like if, yeah. that, if she's carrying on the memory of somebody like that i would yeah. love to have her stories on tmp or any platform you know, that'd be, that'd be fantastic. It's just a matter of, she has talked about it so much over the years that I don't know, it might be a little too painful. I'm not going to speak for her, but I get that gist sometimes that maybe she has said just about as much like publicly, you know what I mean? She doesn't like doing phone interviews on the, uh, you know, on the phone <laughs> anymore. Well, so you're a very respecting host of your shows, man. You really, well, are. I don't want to just like, your guests, it took yeah. me a while. So I want to make sure the questions I sent her, or just do typical typical bullshit, you know. Uh, oh yeah, what do you think he would be doing nowadays? You know, it's like, well, you're not a big showbiz fuck. Whenever it comes to it, too, like you actually care about these people and these stories, and you want to hear about them. You're interested. Their in memories are alive. Doing it for the not doing yeah. it for the money of the views, man. I don't have any money. <laughs> yeah, <Hey>. fucking money. <laughs> yeah. So and that well that 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 goes back to to metal and everything uh, about. You know, the way that it tied in when when you talk about Bill Hicks there and the outside of culture, yeah. um, where we all came from economically, putting us in a place where the type of music that we could listen to, could access, and the areas that we could travel to, like all of that in a nutshell. No pun intended, Chris. Nutshell, yeah. Um, but that all led us to discovering people like Bill Hicks and making, you know, these types of decisions in our lives that led us to doing this content. The outside parameters of our culture, like the underground, the DIY community, that punk yep. rock vibe that that Tom brought up, and he he embodies right that that people like us and people that that live this way and look at the world this way and have this type of open mind, like Shelley too, to explore these types of things. Yeah, all that all that stuff leads back to being an outsider, and and metal is a community about for outsiders <laughs> <laughs> right yeah it's just it, it it's not supposed to make sense folks stop making sense <laughs> like what i brought up before the community you know, and, of loners unite <laughs> yeah and then maybe that belief and that want you know for unity and all the other things that i would want from humankind doesn't really exist those are just desires that i have maybe somewhat foolishly but there's something that's undeniable whenever you get 
into a Slayer concert. Yeah. And you see shit get lit on fire. Yeah. And people are mosh pitting and getting wiped out. Yeah. And shit's getting real. And also when that breakdown hits, you know, there's just something about that rhythm and the way that works like Tiger mentioned of the human pulse. Yeah. Maybe even the vibration of the earth. Or the earth's heartbeat, which I yes. pretty vivid imagery when she said that. Yeah. Yeah. That it's still something for us and why we keep doing these shows every week is because we don't know. The famous track starting off Blizzard of Oz that I heard today. <laughs> the ultimate act of humility. I don't know. We're all willing to say that. Yeah, we're all will, willing to look at conspiracies, even the craziest shit. I yeah. go, well, I don't know. You know, Tom, you do that very well. I mean, when you we you talk about on conspiring with Mister Cooper, some far out type of topics, and you're willing to go into the fact that, hey, man, I don't know, that could be possible. Yeah, whenever he brings up new coke, <laughs> I don't. Understand. <laughs> <laughs> I can't follow that, dude. But they would technically, they would literally try to uh, shit can. Uh, their Coke brand just so they could bring it back as classic cola. I don't believe it. Authenticity, man. That, that, well, well, I, what, what you bring up? I think that's when they probably took the sugar out is when they switched, you know what I'm saying, and then went back to the classic. See, you're doing it all over again. I'm not going to sleep tonight. <laughs> oh, sorry, brother. <laughs> well, to close things up, folks, I just hope that no matter what, that no matter what happens to the genre of heavy music or metal music a hundred years from now, when people are looking back at conversations like this to talk about the history of, of metal music and what it meant to people, especially people in our little subculture that we have here in alternative media and all of our lives individually, I hope that they can find what's real in it. Even if we can't now, even if that's obscured for us, what the actual purpose of this music is and how it connects with us and how, how it does make us tick that they find all the real shit they really talked about stuff like Billy Hicks did and others maybe things that Metallica's one brought up and they do something about it and they live a better life because of it because they found something that was real Johnny got his gun absolutely yep. so until we meet again and until we are free we are the new prisoners <laughs>